0: the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again, as Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stain by blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at Hagmanandhagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood.
2: And welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania, where we broadcast nightly, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Of course, HagmanandHagman.com, that's where you can find us. It's our primary website, and HagmanReport.com for show prep information. Tips at HagmanReport.com, back working again. We apologize for any inconvenience that might have caused. Folks who visit our new store. You ready? This is a tough one. To remember, HagmanReportStore.com, HagmanReportStore.com, right? Really, really tough. Visit that. And if nothing else, just have a read of the item descriptions and let me know what you think. All right? Seriously, you got to let me know what you think because every item there in the Hagman Report Store was hand-selected, tested, and approved by Lady and Joe and me. I had some saying it. Seriously, you, you gotta check it out, hagmanreportstore.com. We're just having a lot of fun with that. And um uh, the first orders actually, because our grand opening was this week and the first orders, um actually are going out, uh, as, as we are speaking right now, boxes are leaving the, the premises. So, there you have it. Uh, folks, we broadcast live right here on the Global Star Radio Network we're so proud to be a part of the Global Star Radio Network uh you know th- th- Todd the owner just just works so hard and I want to thank him for all that he does he does so much and um of course Eric uh, makes us look good for YouTube uh that is uh did you Speaking of, Eric, did you see that shadow on YouTube? Mm-hmm. If you're watching, you just walk right through it. Right uh, but uh, we're also live on YouTube and also blog talk radio as well. So, uh, But uh, I'm Doug Hagman at the helm, and you know, you know who I am. And, and, of course, Joe and my son, we're my, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Uh, folks, a couple of things uh, as we start the show. Now, tonight we're going to have as our very special guest Michael Snyder.
3: Yep, author, uh, journalist, uh, investigative uh,
2: journalist. Writer. Economic
3: Collapse Blog, theeconomiccollapseblog dot com. Yeah. End of America, end of the American Dream dot com. Actually, if you just look under the uh, either on Blog Talk Radio description or the YouTube description underneath, there's uh, several links. The Economic Collapse Blog dot com. Yeah. The Most Important News dot com, as well as End of the American Dream he, He's not too busy, is he? <laughs> and he you just know? released a new book. On the rapture, how do these people do it? I, I mean, seriously,
2: it, 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 it's it, to me, it's crazy how how just uh, it's amazing how people. And I asked Steve; I had a long talk with Steve Quayle today, and um, <laughs> I, I just asked Steve, how, "How do you write these?" I mean, seriously, you, you write like a book every other month, uh, not really. Um, and I asked him how he how he did it, but uh I can could uh, round up with him a lot about that, but. Um, uh, you know, folks, I, I do have a message here at the beginning of the show. In a moment, we're going to have uh, this is really important. We're, we're going to have a Chance from American Survival Wholesale on our show, talking about some very important things. Now, last night we had Mike Norris, filmmaker, Chuck Norris' son, on Gary Haven and Steve Quayle. Do we not? Yeah. Okay. I, I had a chat. You know, it's just like this has been a blur for me for the last couple of days, since Monday, actually. Before I get too far into the program, I want to mention the portions of this broadcast brought to you by Whole Tones. dot com. Folks, uh, visit com for music, the music frequencies of King David. And I'll tell you something. If you, if you go to the website, you can download a sample. Um, Just a wonderful, wonderful tool. If you're sick and tired of being stressed and overworked, overwhelmed, or if you feel that way, you're not alone. We're right there with you. Visit WholeTonesLive.com where they've built built a a proven collection. They've got a collection of proven music therapy uh, that can help reduce stress and ease your mind and motivate you. It's really a great website, WholeTonesLive.com. dot com. A lot of information there. More about that later. But uh, I just want to send this message out to everyone. Uh, Joe Joe's with me, by the way, tonight. He's back, um, which is great. Great to have him back. Had last night off. Miss a little bugger when he's off, you know. Little bugger, well, bigger than I am. Um. Very quick message. Things are not as they appear. I'm not talking about on your on, on your. YouTube. I'm not talking... No, no. Things are not as they appear. Be very careful out there. Folks, be very careful out there. You're going to see things starting to happen. Um, As I was talking to Steve Quayle, we we had talked about his appearance, him and Pastor Langford's appearance on Jim Baker. In fact, uh, Steve Quayle and, and Pastor Langford on Jim Baker, just watched him.
3: Yeah, uh, uh, during dinner yeah. that we had here at the studio, he yep. um, yep. turned the TV on, and and there was Pastor Langford talking. Yep, uh, on the Jim Baker show, and uh, saw Steve on there, and you, it was you know, very good.
2: Yeah, and and very quickly here because I, I don't want to keep our our, our guests waiting. But but um, now Steve and Pastor Langford will be on Jim Baker tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday. Gary Haven was on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and, and this does kind of segue nicely, or will segue nicely, into what uh, our guest this hour is going to be talking about. There, there are things right now that are not as they appear. Nothing is really as it appears. There is a threat out there. People are are, are attempting to to downplay the threat. There is a tremendous threat to the our economy, and to our energy grid, and to Basically the entirety of the United States in a number, this, what, what is on the event horizon could go a number of different, different ways. I cannot say with certainty what it's going to be, what event it's going to be, if it's going to be a single event or numbers of events or cascading or concurrent events. I don't know. But I want you to be very careful. And when you look at the headlines, understand that the headlines are just mere so, what would you call them? Uh, uh, just some. Most of them are distractions from the real issues, but
3: but yeah, certainly, disinformation disinformation, right? Diversions. Um, this you, know, you have a little bit of truth inside. Uh, uh, you have ninety-five percent truth inside of five percent lies. You have five percent uh, lies inside ninety-five percent truth. I mean, you have just it's just what you said: deflection, diversion away from what is important. That's right, and. There is a lot of things going on out there that the media is not talking about. One of them being media censorship, media censoring itself uh, of truth and actual true news and news reports that are coming out from Facebook, uh, taking away the conservative news headlines and suppressing them to an uh, Obama aide coming out saying how they use the media to manipulate, uh, Different stories and and to put different uh... talking points and and lies out there, um, all being ignored by the media.
2: One thing I I want to say, and then we're gonna bring ch- Chance on here. One thing I want to say, is that there are people that are under threat today, and I mean that their lives are being threatened, their their lifestyles are being threatened, their their families are being threatened and i'm not talking in any hyperbole this is not hyperbole this is not uh, lies this is dead accurate if you are a christian conservative you are in the crosshairs and i don't care if you speak up and speak out or if you are just have have a bumper say it doesn't matter they know who you are They know who your friends are. They know who you are. When I say they, I'm talking about that criminal element of the government. And this is not, I'm not attempting to scare anyone. This is just a matter of fact. The higher your head goes up over the crowd, however, the louder you shout about something, and especially about the homosexual agenda, especially about the Nazification of our society, and especially about abortion. Those are some of the most dangerous areas. Trust me when I tell you. It's only going to get worse. The criminal element is going to... All of this is going to be criminalized pretty soon. And if you dare talk about the refugees, the alien uh, refugees. The other things I mentioned, absolutely... The um, the alien invasion, that's kind of lower on the list. But all of this, even above the gun ownership uh, aspect, it's, it's trust me when I say. If you are standing firm in the Christian faith, standing against abortion, standing against the sodomy that's taking place. It's a very unpopular position. You will you will encounter resistance. That what form of resistance I believe will be pretty much equal to what stance you take and how you take that stance. Things are not as they appear. That's all I'm going to say right now. And just from what I know too, I, I know that uh, you know people might make fun of like Jim Baker, you know, because of his past. No. No, that man, right? That man is a broken and rebuilt man. Let me tell you. But he's also under fire too, as are many people in in that in that venue in that
3: uh, visibility that level of visibility. You can take that to the bank, Joe. All right, with us right now we have the owner of AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com, one of our partners in. On our, uh, radio and television endeavors, Chance. He's going to be talking, uh, with us tonight about a number of things, a number of solutions. Um, and we're going to bring him on right now. Chance, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report.
1: Blessings, guys. Uh, so listen, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been, um, a for day. Uh, we have also received some information that is quite disturbing. However, not to be fearful. Fear comes from Satan, not the Lord. So I think it's fitting that if we can now all bow our heads for a prayer. Father, we come together tonight as your... Father, as two or more come together, you will be there. We pray for our brothers and sisters listening tonight, Lord. We pray for healing for those in pain. We pray for peace for those who struggle with depression and misery. We pray for wisdom for those who seek answers to earthly problems. We pray for discernment over all matters of finance, written or verbal communion, and of spiritual matters. Father, we ask a special prayer for those soothless and lonely and are seeking fellowship that you bring others into their life for your purpose, Lord. We pray for our veterans, past and present, those who put their lives at risk every day so that we are safe at home. And lastly, Father, we pray for our watch and our intercessors who pray on our behalf, for Doug and Joe and their family, Please keep them safe and healthy in these last days in these things we
3: pray amen amen thank you chance thank well you. chance let's um let's talk about the solution solutions indeed
2: chance this is what we and it's funny because i had no knowledge of the solutions that you were, we were going to be talking about and i mentioned something to you before the program and it was exactly what we're going to be talking about so God's at work here.
1: Well, I tell you, um, tonight we're going to be discussing, and there will be quite a bit of information. So, again, we ask that if you can, get a pencil and pen out, folks, and some paper and and write these down because I'm going to go fairly quickly. I have prepared something that I think you're going to find very, very useful in uh, the coming months. Tonight we're going to be discussing the EMP threat in two parts. The first part, how to prepare for an EMP and number two, how to react to the event if it occurs. But first, let's discuss for the new listeners, what is an EMP? What is the cause of an EMP? An EMP or electromagnetic pulse is simply a burst of electromagnetic radiation, not to be confused with a N as a Nancy EMP, which refers to a nuclear explosion, which results in the same effect, however one being natural, i.e. solar flares and the other being man-made nuclear warheads. The underlying factors of damage to our electrical systems and electrical components depend upon the altitude of the detonation or flare, the energy yield, and the gamma ray output. Also, any shielding that may be in place. Now, we understand what an EMP is, how do we tell the difference between a power outage and an EMP? During and after an EMP, you will experience a power outage, but an EMP will cause your electronic devices to fail. Simply that, your cell phone works, your laptop doesn't work, your computer works, that's an EMP. A power
3: outage will not affect those. So just to uh, so to make sure we, ha- I just want to make sure yeah. that we get this clear uh for people out there cuz Chance you and me were talking earlier this week uh I believe and you know we brought up the fact that there are power outages all over the country um uh, on any given day for a number of reasons um and how to tell the difference between an actual power outage and an EMP and and you clarified that uh, just now and, and did so while we were on the phone and it would yeah, the phone or a battery operated laptop computer would be you know two things immediately if those two things were down also uh, as well as your power, you can tell that there that that is not that's more than a mere power outage because and you know we totally go through power outages all, right. all the time um uh, and think nothing of them.
2: What would be one thing, Chance, that we could have on the counter maybe of our garage or the counter of our kitchen or den or whatever that if we'd suddenly turn it on and it doesn't work and there, uh, everything else, all the lights and everything else are out, out, the power's out, that we know, hey, this is not just a mirror. You know, Houston, we got a problem. I mean, do you have something in mind maybe or?
1: All right, so any device any device that's not plugged into a wall socket, of course, would be battery-operated. For example, a AM, FM radio, transistor radio, your cell phone. Uh, most laptops, folks move from spot to spot around the house, and they're not plugged in as well. Any of these items that fail, if you try to power them, they do not power up. You have experience in EMP. All right. Good to know. Some of the common questions, guys, um, that we get, uh, one is um, kind of interesting. Uh, I didn't even know this until I did this research, but will our cars be affected? Well, you know, we've known for a long time that vehicles that were produced prior to 1970 they don't have computers, and a lot of them have the old point systems instead of the electronic uh, control injection systems and spark systems. Well, we, we knew that they would be susceptible. It'd be interesting. Having, uh, more metal, these vehicles, more metal in the cars helps shield those vehicles from an EMP. Where these newer vehicles these days have more plastic to keep the vehicles light, have more plastic. They make the vehicles actually more susceptible to EMPs than, uh, you know, some of the older vehicles from the, uh, you know, late 70s and uh, prior. Another one we get is, uh, will planes fall out of the sky? Well, The facts are, uh, aircraft normally are not affected in the air because of their altitude. However, those aircraft that are within 10 kilometers of a black one will absolutely be affected by what is referred to as large separation. So, for example, a plane taking off or a plane landing, or on approach will absolutely be affected by an EMP if it, if it is within the black zone, for example, in the middle of Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, somewhere in the heart of America. So I, you know, I found that kind of interesting. But, um, I want to talk about some solutions, but first I want to, I want to talk about how to prepare for an EMP threat and what our government is doing about it. Well, Interestingly enough, uh, you know, last night we heard Texas is hardening the grid. An interesting note here is the numbers were released. It would cost $2 billion to harden our two major grids, West Coast and East Coast, $2 billion. But the facts are, if there were an EMP, they are suggesting that the potential price tag is between $1 trillion and $2 trillion in economic disruptions. So, let's do the math. $2 billion to fix it, $1 to $2 trillion in damage. Doesn't make uh, a lot of sense, right, guys?
2: Sounds like job security to me.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So, um, so how do we, how do we prepare for this? Well, in the past, we've discussed the importance of food water, you know, long-term storable freeze-dried food, enough water for every person in the household for six months. But what we need to remember is this, that that food that we do have in the house after an EMP, you're know, refrigerating your freezer, must be consumed in the first 24 to 72 hours, and that depends on the outside temperature. We need to also be prepared for a threat of others during this period, wanting to steal, take from you food and supplies that don't belong to them. However, as Christians, we do understand that we need to be prepared to help others while witnessing, testifying, and ministering. Can I give an amen?
2: Amen, sir. That's what it's all about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we do have a solution. Uh, A lot of you are familiar with uh, what is termed Faraday Cage, named after the inventor, Michael Faraday. Uh, whose research in the year 1831 provided these solutions that we are going to discuss today to protect our electronics. So a Faraday cage is an enclosure formed by using conductive materials used to block electric fields, pretty simple, right? But not all Faraday cages are created equal. You will see many of them on YouTube, blogs, survival forums and what you need to understand is simply this. The more layers of conductive protection around your sensitive devices, i.e. cell phones, laptops, notepads, the better. So we are very pleased to offer the only Faraday cage, period, that can be customized to fit your needs, your personal electronics. So from small units that will hold just a few cell cell phones and thumb drives to larger units that can be customized to hold, desktop computers, servers, ham radio base units, even the big equipment that you guys have over there in Pennsylvania. We build them right in our Texas office. We offer a money-back guarantee on every unit. We test these units using 18 to 20 million volts. By the way, outside the um, Faraday cage, I fried a perfectly good shortwave radio. Uh, during these test- testing processes, uh, on purpose we do this on a sustained uh, basis.
2: was that a whoops or was that on purpose?
1: Well, so you know, we had to do the test based upon the products, electronics inside and outside. So we're taking measurements inside and outside. Well, we uh, put the uh, Voyager shortwave radio. Inside first, we we got very uh, positive readings, and then we put it outside and I hit the side of it with uh, 18 million volts, and it has not worked since.
2: Yeah, okay. Gotcha.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so we built them right here in our warehouse. Um, we, um, we've we done a lot of research, and uh, I can tell you, guys, the measurements that we're seeing on the inside of these Faraday cages, because it is a three-state system with three layers of protection... Um, and it's built, built to last for many years. You're gonna find, and and the cost of course depends on the size. However, you know, doing our research, we believe that you're not gonna be able to find or even build a comparable Faraday cage for the wholesale prices we're offering. So, here's what we need to do. Just, um, send us an email. Take measurements of each device in your home that you'd like to protect, and we're gonna, that you're gonna place inside. Email those measurements to ASW at startmail.com. Again, that's ASW at startmail.com. We will configure and calculate a Faraday gauge for your needs. Email you with that cost. Uh, for those that are on a budget, we will work with you. You have our word on that. Only uh, a deposit is required to start the process. So, uh, the other thing I have here, just for the first 100 customers, they will also receive one item that needs to be in that therapy cage, a hand-powered AM-FM radio byte element, which also charges your phone, um, and uh, also if you don't have an email, please feel free to give us a call, or you don't have a computer, give us a call at 818 720 Zero seven five nine eight one eight seven two zero zero seven five nine. I hope I didn't take up too much time, guys.
2: No, no, but we're not going to let you go right away. I got some questions for you. Do You have a second? Do You have sure. a few minutes? Sure. Uh, I mean, okay, because sure. I got some questions. All right. So, what? Okay, if if I wanted to store, not like a uh, if I want if I'm in to store multiple electronics in the in the Faraday cage that you would build can I do that can, can I put like um, we'll say a spare computer uh, cell phones uh, you know walkie talkies things that we would use post EMP is that possible
1: absolutely absolutely so your length and your width are going to be determined by the size of the device itself. So the largest unit, for example, any laptop, which is highly suggested, the largest unit uh, will be length and the width, and the height will depend upon the other items that you're going to be placing inside the Faraday cage. All right.
2: Does this Faraday cage need to be grounded, or could someone who lives in an apartment building on the 31st or 32nd or 105th floor or whatever it might be, can they use this, or does it need to be touching the ground?
1: So our recommendation, it will come with a copper grounding rod. Our recommendation, of course, is to always uh, have what we call an earth ground uh, attached to a wire to Faraday cage if it's included. However, because we're doing a three-layer insulation, it's absolutely not necessary. So if you live on the 34th floor of a high rise, uh the dual protection will give you uh the protection you need against uh, most devices.
2: All right. Can can you tell us what the material what this is made from? Is it metal? Obviously it would be metal, right?
1: Right. So the outside of the container is aluminum. The inside of the container is a very fine, highly conductive copper mesh, and that's that's really where you're getting the protection, but it's two layers uh, of, of protection there, and then the copper rod will ground it to the earth for the ultimate protection.
2: Wow. I, 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 thinking of the copper, you're, you, that's where the money is. I mean, the expense, I should say, is, uh, I would suspect, right?
1: absolutely and so the only way that we are able to keep these costs down is to buy wholesale we buy spools of this copper mesh and we cut it to fit so each unit that um,
2: that is ordered will be custom fit for the needs of the customer ok now I know you've done a lot of research on this health wise let me, let me ask this if, if somebody uh, the gentleman that I had dinner with Thursday or uh, Saturday. He's a good friend of mine. He's got a pacemaker. We're all getting old, I guess. But anyway, are are their pacemakers susceptible to EMPs? Uh, would he have a problem? In fact, we discussed this. He and I. Uh, do, do you know the answer to that?
1: Actually, I do. Unfortunately, pacemakers are susceptible. Uh, it really depends, and again, on the yield of the detonation and the sustainability of the detonation. So a solar flare uh, or a series of solar flares can last for quite a long time. Uh, depending on their intensity, absolutely a pacemaker can be affected and can be fatal, absolutely fatal. Uh, if you were exposed to a nuclear detonation and uh, you were what we call grounded, so Imagine being outside, you're, you know, in your socks, you're barefoot, uh, and you're outside, you can absolutely, there's circuitry involved there. You can actually, um, your pacemaker could fail, and it could be fatal.
2: All right. What about, what is your idea for, I don't know, uh, putting a Faraday cage over a vehicle in a garage, or even making your garage like a Faraday cage, is that I mean, we know I mean, if if you've got a post-1973 vehicle, something made up for 73 or with electronics in it you, you're probably not going to have a good a good car, a workable car, maybe, probably we don't know with, ex- with certainty, 100%, but chances are no so, would it be um, and I'm thinking out of the box. here, would it be just as would it be economically feasible to, to make your garage into a Faraday cage and and have your stuff in there, or make a Faraday cage? And I'm not being smart. I'm, I'm actually this is a serious question. Make a Faraday cage for your car.
1: Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, uh, tests have been done on certain vehicles. Uh, we've all seen metal carports. So remember that if the metal enclosure is completely surrounding the car device inside, it will circumvent the electronics and go directly to ground. So if we park a vehicle, we have a 4,000-square-foot Faraday cage here, right? That's our warehouse. If we park a vehicle inside of a metal building we're going to have a lot more protection than, a, than someone that's going to park their car outside, right, on in a driveway. Right. One thing that we can do that's inexpensive is drive a copper rod, let's say four feet, about three feet into the ground, attach a jump wire from the copper rod to the outside frame of the car. That will also give you some protection, but no guarantees. Again, because these cars today have highly advanced computer circuitry in them and are very susceptible to EMPs. Alright.
2: Eric the Tech um asked me to ask you Does a microwave act as a Faraday cage?
1: Um, oh, that's interesting as well. You know, it does offer some protection, Eric. <laughs> it does offer some protection, but it's not a guarantee. No, it's not a guarantee. So the same for the same reason that you don't get nuked outside your microwave oven would be uh a reason why you could possibly put a phone or something like that in the um microwave and have some protection, but it's Eric, it's not a guarantee.
2: All right. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um. What's your gut telling a chance? Uh, in terms of potential possibilities here, uh, short-term possibilities for something like this taking place.
1: So, I mean, I was going to save this until you know I vetted this information a little bit more carefully, but. As many of you are aware, there is a North Korean satellite that passes the United States twice a day. Right, and there is information again not vetted, Doug. There's information that this satellite has been equipped with an NEMP.
2: Yeah, I've heard that and, too. I mean,
1: you look at you, you look at that leader of it. Well, that, that's a nice word, leader. You look at this guy. I mean. Is he sane? Is he is he one of the you know leaders of our world? I don't think so, and I think he's a very dangerous man, and so the threat is viable. It's very viable. Thank you for asking that question. But again, that has not been vetted.
2: Yeah, I, I've heard that as well. I mean, you're you're looking at a five foot, three hundred pound garden gnome chia pet. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> that, that's demonically. Uh, you know, it's got is is just a, a demonic, and then you've got the facilitators of this of this guy. We, we, thank, we you have, we have, was, thank
1: you for saying what I was. thinking, Doug.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how to describe this this uh, this uh, you know again this this guy that this garden though uh, Lufa loofa brush on his head.
3: Let, let me ask <laughs> you this chance before we before we let you go uh, pertaining to the EMPs. Uh, Obviously, uh, some type of power generation system, a generator, would be uh, something that you would want to have in a Faraday cage. Now, if we put laptops and phones and different things inside these Faraday cages, um, aside from generators, how would we, you know, the battery runs out on these devices, how would we best be able to recharge these devices if the electricity would be out for it's a good Extended point. amount of time, um, we would solar? only have the life of the battery. Yeah, I mean, so, so solar. You, the, do, you, do you have anything there at, at
2: your gigantic warehouse uh, I, that would?
1: I do. I do. See, it's not feasible to put a 400-pound generator in a Faraday cage, right? That's that's not feasible. And they do. The new ones, especially, do have circuitry. You are much better off, honestly, having. Uh, you remember the device I told you earlier? It's called the Voyager. Uh, it has shortwave, AM/FM, NOAA weather bands. It can charge your phones. It can give you that emergency backup power you need. It. It's got everything. Flashlight, everything. That that piece of equipment is approximately twelve inches by four inches by six inches. Okay, so that will easily fit into a Faraday cage. That you can use during an emergency to not only create power for your. Uh, small devices, but also to pick up transmissions from shortwave transmissions that are not affected by an EMP, because these are repeaters. They are not um, the same thing as what, you know, the radio stations use, which are more, you know, more electronics, more computers, more circuitry. Okay.
2: All right. Eric, is that what you have? To, do you have? Okay, so Eric, the tech, owns that of which you speak. Purchased it from AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. So, and, and he thumbs up, two thumbs up. Yeah. Okay. It's great you,
1: like if you can hand crank it. You could solar, hand crank, even battery backup. So there's three ways to power that.
2: All right, that's that way so i'll have joe here and he'll hand crank that puppy i'm not going to be doing that no i'm I'm kidding wow all right chance before we cut you loose anything else you'd like to share or, or i mean a lot of good information here so folks don't don't, don't do not accuse us of, of just saying well you just spread fear and and talk about problems of no solutions you got a boatload of solutions right here chance american survival wholesale your personal faraday cage plus you know he'll work with you, but chance anything else?
1: Well, one just one last thing, and folks, Doug and Joe, they don't know that I'm going to say this, but I just it's 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 on my heart and it's in my spirit. I would just ask each and every one of you listening tonight that are and have been taking information, the truth. And using it in your lives, the guests that they bring on, please go to Hagmanandhagman.com, go to the bottom of the page. There is a donate button there. Anything, guys, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you can afford will help out. These guys bring us so much information, and I just I thank them from the bottom of my heart. So please do that. Go to Hagmanandhagman.com, bottom of the page press the donate button. Thank you, guys.
2: Well, thank you. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. And you're right. We did not know you were going to say that, but uh, we're very thankful that you did. Thank you so much, brother. Be safe out there. We'll talk.
3: Good night. All right. That well, there was Chance from AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com, yeah, yeah. AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. Not only do they uh, have all kinds of survival products out there bug out bags emergency water kits and water purification kits they also have some of the top of the line gmo free thrive brand storable food and we have that we don't
2: want no when i say we have that don't picture us having like this warehouse full of food (laughs) all right no we no we don't we have a pantry and when I say pantry, I'm talking about a pantry that would fit in a small mobile home, okay? As a pantry, and we have we have our food. So I mean, we're not we're not
3: overly prepared, but I said all that just to say this very simply. Still haven't found you know where you dug your your real stash at. Yeah, right that's somewhere.
2: it. <laughs> that's it. But I, no, I'll just say this: um, you don't want to be eating sawdust or cardboard or something that tastes like it. In an emergency, so, I. In fact, I think um, I don't know. We probably have maybe two dozen cans, uh, maybe more. I don't know, but around that. So I mean, you're in your I have mind about books, ten cans gonna, at home. Yeah, big cans. But what we've what we've done is we've actually, with our wives and our families, we've actually made the meals and and like. Oh, they might get a little suspicious. Well, you, what are you making supper? I mean, come on. When Was the last time, but we we've done it and uh, to kind of trick, trick them, and, and they've eaten the freeze dried food, not knowing it was long term storeable food, and you know, so called dehydrated or whatever you want to call that. And uh,
3: they, they they didn't really know the difference. My wife did a little bit, but it was only because the presentation of the food. the well, roast yeah, you can't beef, serve it cut, cut up in little. In, uh No, it's I'm cut just up in can't... real small little squares. So when you when you rehydrate and warm that up, you know it's not like um, this roast beef that you freshly cut. But, but, but she, she said it tasted. I mean, it tasted normal, right? When I say she, normal, it was. She said it, it tasted uh, fine, yeah. But you know, she could tell it wasn't. It was a sore She knew, she knew something was going on, yeah. right? Well, but course, it was delicious. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, I, I've made it since. Just, just cut uh, in, in the. Uh, the breakfast
2: foods. Uh, I especially like the uh, dried fruits and such. But pineapples. Oh man, we,
3: we eat those right out of the can. Yeah, he's had to lock up all the fruits and vegetables, or the fruits around here, because The dozen cans. I them. will go through those pineapples, those strawberries, those. Uh, oh goodness, they got the raspberries. They're so good. Oh, those are, those raspberries are fabulous, just right out of the can. But it, it's and the uh, pineapples are good too. The only thing is, is they they can. Uh, they're they're freeze dried, and if you don't, I like to eat them without introducing right. water right. back into them, right. and they can get a little sharp, and you know they can cut the edges of your, inside of your mouth. But yeah, even real pineapple can do that. Uh, fresh I'll, from, that. I got a uh, lady, our studio
2: dog. She'll she'll bite your arm off for a freeze dried uh, long term storable food. The banana, she loves those. I mean, she will fight you for a banana. <laughs> In fact, the uh, she she's she knows the can because we have a can a small can, pantry size can on the on our counter and we we snack on them at home and and yeah you know, we as soon as she sees that she's like both paws on the counter looking and uh, just saying but anyway so a lot of good information there and especially against the backdrop of the movie Amargaden tomorrow in theaters now I've gotten so many emails pages upon pages upon pages of emails of people saying well it's not in our theater. Folks, you, you have to call your theater. Uh, I had a conversation with Mike Norris, again, the filmmaker, and uh, uh, about this. There, It's possible that uh, sometime in June they could have perhaps another whole round of showings, I mean, a continuation in terms of uh, you know, additional states and more theaters. The number of people who have called after the show last night in the United States was amazing called their theaters they're getting inquiries already today and I want to thank you for for doing that so um gary haven as well and um diane Ladd's in the movie uh uh it's, it's just a really interesting movie it, it 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 comes at it a little differently it's not like one second after it comes after more of the the, the it comes at the whole the approach is just a, a a whole different approach. And what Chance mentioned too, about North Korean satellite the two of them going over our head, absolutely we're getting the information that that one satellite at least one of the two is absolutely not a communication satellite. It is not a surveillance satellite. Uh it is a satellite that could have a payload of of sorts and whether or not it's successful I don't know if if
3: but there is talk of blackmail there's talk of um Yeah, to ask yourself, why is North Korea allowed to have the nuclear shock while it has, A, and B? Why has, you know, we hear a lot about Iran and the threat Iran poses to Israel, but not only Israel, but to the U.S. and to the Western world. Uh, You hear some of the rhetoric that comes from their leaders, and yes, it's troubling. uh, But actions, they have not taken any actions as of yet against Israel or America. But here we have North Korea who has taken actions against South Korea? Who has this nuclear stockpile, and we have the ability to to take out that nuclear stockpile without any uh, civilian casualties? Why are they allowed to continue to have that? This rogue nation with this just tyrannical, crazy dictator, or so they say, right, right, or make him out to be. No, Well, the danger is there. Not China, he, he's a... I guess ca- the question is, the, da- the danger is there, but yeah. is there more danger posed from our government and media trying to make it look like North Korea is some type of crazy enemy, or is the danger really from North Korea?
2: Interesting question. You're you're right for asking it. I, and I don't know the answer. I do know that the threat is there, but even if the threat, when I say the threat is there, it means the capability is there. Is the will or the intent there? I don't know that, but it certainly is a possibility. But even why, why are we even asking this question? Because why did the Bush administration, the Obama regime, for that matter, and really every regime since 1953, why did they allow... The dictator of this country, the different various di- dictators. Um, why did they allow him to become the threat that he has become, and why hasn't China rail, you know, reined him in? So the answer to me, I, I believe, is chaos. I want to address something very quickly here because we've gotten so many emails about the situation, about uh about you know, I'm not sure if you heard Joe because you were often otherwise. Um, doing some other things. The ICE agent that committed
3: suicide in New York City. Yeah, we talked okay. about this earlier Superstation in 95. We Absolutely. You can verify yeah. the, uh, the, the suicide note. Right. And and, and it's contents. It's, it's,
2: it's bogus, okay? Bogus. But in my experience as an investigator, when I have been, well, when I've seen, the, the, the suicides I've seen that had notes, people had notes, not one time. Not one time ever, ever, were the contents of the notes released publicly. In fact, a couple of times I've, I've seen, actually, the notes. um Well, I don't even want to address that, but the, the, not released publicly. So, that story, based on our sources, absolutely bogus. Now, did someone commit suicide? Well, mm-hmm. perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, you have to check the... Yeah, no, Port Authority uh, uh, did verify that. But the notes, unless it was some document... Now, now, I'm not ruling out this. The story as presented is not correct. But think about this. Let's say somebody found me, you know, in in the middle of, I don't know, somewhere dead. And you came to my office and looked at some of my notes. Well, yeah, obviously some of my notes are going to be about... Um, very similar to, you know, show notes and research I've done and such. Now, is it possible that that's what they're referring to? Well, certainly it's not presented that way, but it certainly could be possible.
3: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: But, but, but no, do not, do not get hung up on, uh, on that. It's not going to be that easy or that simple.
3: Um, well, you mentioned this to me yeah, before the show about this, uh, Stephen Steve Hill, yeah, yeah. A, a Satanist, yep, Congressman or Senator, yep. Uh, and I'm reading an article in well, Time magazine. He's running for Senate. Um, um, yeah, Steve Hill. They say in many typical is a typical candidate running for elected office in California. He's a former U.S. Marine looking to reform public schools. Um, but a couple of things are holding him back. He's an uh, avowed atheist and. Satanic temple organizer.
2: Well, you can't be both. No, this is where
3: when remember maybe a month or so ago, I was trying to uh, explain how there are Luciferians, there are Satanists, there are atheists. Well, see, this the Satanist says, "I am a Satanist as far as trying to get people to understand that I don't believe in the devil any more than I believe in God." He says, "All of it is stupid, but if I have to tell people." I'm the devil to get them to listen, then okay, I'm the devil, he says. So Say what? But see, what they do here, what he's talking about here is, uh is uh, self-described as a humanist approach that raises the levels of consciousness through, and this is the satanic temple that he's a part of, uh, it identifies the temple mission as a humanist approach that raise, raises the level of consciousness. I do not go worship Satan and pour milk on me, he said. Whatever that means. Yeah, I don't right. know. But Satanism would influence me greatly because I could deal from a different perspective as a regular human being. And this is, I mean, if you're, you're either a Satanist or you're an atheist. You can't be both. Right. You cannot be both by
2: definition. But the whole thing is troubling. Um... Uh, Well, it shows that our morality, our spiritual fabric has been rendered by the absence of the church, by the absence of of the actions of Christians. I mean, Christians have been no-shows, really, to everything of importance of late and this is, this is what we get. We get this immorality. This, this, by the way, and our guest is coming up before the top of the hour. I just want to mention this as well. This Samantha B and Pat and Os- Oswalt. Did you, did you folks see that little ditty they had? Mm-hmm. Now, m- many people who don't watch TBS or don't know who these people are I, I get it I understand um, Pat Oswald's a comedian Pat Oswald was on The, the King uh, of Queens yeah. as as uh, what was his name Spencer or whatever yes. okay but he's a stand up comic whose wife passed away a couple of months ago uh without uh in her sleep okay she was a, she was a mystery writer and how I know that is she was a mystery writer but uh, anyway these two dingbats left wing driveled, sorry pieces of 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 well, you know, uh, did this expose, six-minute expose or seven-minute expose last, I think it was last night or the night before, on uh, Full Frontal, which is some sort of uh, pseudo-talk uh, show, pseudo-humor Yeah, I think it was show. on the comedy,
3: channel, comedy uh, No, it was
2: on TBS, oh. actually. And they were making fun of Full uh, Life. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did, what a disgusting uh, display. This Samantha B and Patton Oswalt talking about abortion, talking about uh, on, on this this expose. Uh, Oswalt, who is a an atheist, doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in anything. He was making fun of in. Uh, making fun of pro lifers as was the Samantha B. I, I, I'm gonna have, I've got something more to, I got more to say on this because this, the reason I bring this up now is this is really the strikes at the heart of this epidemic, this, this, um, entertainment, uh, ep- epidemic of entertainment that is filling this, uh, or feeding this this immorality across the United States mm-hmm. and it's appealing to the, the the jugheads the millennial intellectually debased and in, in bankrupt jugheads across and it's the United appealing States.
3: to those people but planting seeds of immorality in those who are merely watching it unless they understand exactly what it is they're seeing and that they are attacks that the marginalization that's going on, and, and the actual—I mean—we got rid of cable for a few years, got cable back for a year, and got rid of it again. And can't make up your mind, huh? Well, no, just you know, it was cheaper to get cable with phone and TV, or internet right. and TV, right. or I'm sorry, internet and phone. Um, yeah, but. It's crazy out there. the 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 show. I mean, you have the TV show Lucifer. You have all these shows out there.
2: And when did they put
3: nudity on cable? I mean, on regular cable, NYPD Blue. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> I mean, I remember that much. So we're gonna be right back oh. with author, investigative journalist, and much more, Michael Snyder, on the other side. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network
0: the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again, as Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Thank you.
2: Back, folks, to this this portion of the Hagman the Hagman Report. We are so uh, absolutely excited to have with us Michael Snyder. I, unless you've been living under a rock, and I know our audience has not, you know who Michael Snyder is. The Economic Collapse blog, for example, just one of his site of his sites. The most important news, another website, the American Dream, another of his websites. Go to the economic class blog and and check out Michael Snyder, who is Michael Snyder well he, I just love the way he writes too um former attorney all right you you know him by his articles. his articles are everywhere. Alex Jones has had him on as a guest now. Well, let's let's show Alex. I love Alex, but let's show him that our audience is is is. I don't want to say better, but uh, more responding to uh, to our guests and, and and send Mike Snyder an email. Let him know you heard him on this program because I guarantee you that the information he's going to provide to you tonight is going to be spot on and um, consistent with our with our beliefs, but also. Important for uh, important for your information and your preparation. Be- before we get to Mr. Snyder, I'm just so glad to have found HoltonesLive.com. If you're sick and tired of being stressed and overwhelmed and unmotivated, that's we've been there. We understand, folks. If you feel life has been running you instead of you running your life, we understand. We've been there. We've got an answer for you. Finally, you can experience the scientifically proven powers of music therapy with Whole Tones. Folks, go to WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive with a W, WholeTonesLive.com. They've got a collection of proven music therapy that can help reduce stress, ease your mind, and motivate you. You can get started today and listen to a free sample of this amazing music that heals and inspires at WholeTonesLive.com. We've had so many people write us via email. And in fact, some postal mail and saying, thank you. Thank you. This is what I've been looking for. In fact, I just got, speaking of attorneys, I got, uh, one of our, one of our, well, an attorney that knows our accountant who listens to the show writes or uh, wrote me an email saying, hey, you know, I I got the DVDs, whole tones and, uh, our staff working a lot better. He pip- pipes it through the, he's got a beautiful office and he pipes it through the office. In fact, he said that his clerks, um, his secretaries, paralegals are actually getting their work done a lot quicker, which is affecting his bottom line. So, hey, you know, slow it down. No, no, I'm just, I'm kidding about that, but certainly they're more creative and motivated and their work is, uh, as ours, it seems easier and clearer. So, and Michael Ter- Terrell, the, Man behind HoltonesLive.com. He was on explaining how the music was inspired with the music frequencies of King David. Folks, go to the website, download a free sample at HoltonesLive.com. Support this broadcast, this show. Go to HoltonesLive.com. That's HoltonesLive.com with a W, and uh, download a free sample and order today. And again, I was talking about Michael Snyder, former attorney inside the Beltway. Go figure. Well, one day, he just he, he. I think he answered the call from God, basically, and uh, he knew what he had to do, and he had to start warning people about what's taking place, what the real information is. We're we're, we're going to get the the four one one the information behind his behind what uh, what happened, how he came to be be um, so popular in the uh, alternative media. But he wrote a book just recently; it came out March twenty fifth, twenty sixteen. And you want to talk about a just a great... uh, As an attorney, he'd appreciate this. Exhibit A in, in the courtroom of life. You're never going to look at the book of Revelation the same way again. The worst times in all of human history are coming, and what Michael Snyder has uncovered in his book, well, there's some dramatic implications there for every man, woman, and child on the entire planet. The Rapture Verdict, that's the name of the book, available in paperback as well as Kindle on Amazon it's it's likely to become one of the most controversial Christian books in decades it addresses many of the hottest questions being debated today number one will Christians have to go through all of the chaos and just such as described in the book of Revelation is judgment is God's judgment coming to America are we on the verge of entering the great tribulation what's the uh, parousia and how does that ancient Greek word completely shake up conventional theories about the rapture Oh, it's always a party when we talk about the rapture. Always a party. That and more with our guest, Michael Snyder.
3: Yeah, let's bring him on. Mr. Snyder, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. It's great to have you on.
4: It's really great to be with you guys. You know, I've, uh, you know, you, your program has really grown and, and so many people are you know are are blessed by your program in fact i just got an email just before i came on and somebody had heard that i was coming on the program today and they're saying hey have a great time because you know you you guys have really become a hub of of information and getting and getting uh you know the key 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 uh, things that people need to know out out to the people and so it's a real honor to be on with you guys today
2: well, well, thank you. We're blessed to have you, and we like to uh, we like to think of our, us just as as good stewards of of God, and we we do what we're told. We show up, and that's half the battle is showing up and and just uh, being uh, being vessels for for God and for information, but for the truth unfiltered, uh, watchmen unleashed. And you know, it's uh, it may sound trite, but that's what's. But but thank you so much. And um, we really appreciate it, but but we we certainly have been following. We cite you often on we, a lot of the information we talk about comes from you. Now I don't know what, what, we, where you want to start. Joe and I were talking before the program. Man, there's just some so many things to get into. Uh, if you want to, just for the people who really don't know Michael Snyder but know your articles, even you just you want to give us a kind of a basic rundown of who Michael Snyder is.
4: Sure, sure. If you go back a decade ago. You know, I was fairly newly married, and my wife and I, we are living right across the river from Washington, D.C., and every morning she would take me to the metro station. I would get on the, the train, go into the heart of Washington, D.C., where I worked as an attorney right down on K Street. Now, you know, a lot of people, when I say that, they say, oh, that sounds really prestigious, but I was on the low end of the totem pole. And, you know, in, in D.C., it's something like one out of every 12 residents of D.C., is a lawyer so i mean the place is just crawling with them so they're all over the place so it's not special to be exactly special to be a lawyer in washington dc but so i was working and and basically nobody knew who i was nobody cared who i was and but, but i saw all the corruption around me the direction where our country was going and i thought well what in the world can i do that that could possibly make a difference you know because i was about as anonymous as anonymous could be and so you know i thought about it i prayed about it and. Then I felt led to check out, you know, this thing called blogging. And, then you know, I wasn't familiar with it, but I started doing some research, and and I learned that, okay, there are already more than a million other blogs out there, so why in the world would anyone want to pay attention to anything that I had to say? You know, you have these thoughts. But I went ahead and and I I started. And, and of course, when I first started, you could have measured my readership with a microscope, extremely small, but, uh, you know, one of the key things that I did that so many people you know stumble over is that I didn't give up. I kept going and I kept writing, and the the audience started to build over time and then you know you get to the end of two thousand and nine. And I started the economic collapse blog, you know, right around Christmas. And at the time, of course, we, you know, we were dealing with the aftermath of the greatest recession since, you know, the Great Depression of the 1930s. Millions of people had lost their jobs. Millions of people were losing their homes through foreclosure. And people knew they weren't getting uh, solid answers from the mainstream media. And so they're seeking out alternative sources of information. And so, you know, my, my, the website that, uh, you know, started to, to really grow rapidly. And, and shortly thereafter, I started end of the American dream dot com, which has also become very, very popular. And I became kind of this wave of the alternative media, which has exploded as people have become disenfranchised and just, dis, you know, and, and, and they've become distrustful of the mainstream corporate media. And so they've turned to sources like your radio show on my websites. And, of course, you know, people not only find my articles on my websites today, but my, my articles are actually found on dozens of other very prominent websites all over the world, some much larger, more prominent than my own. So my material is actually read far more off of my websites than on my websites. And so, you know, God has opened these doors for just... And, and me and my wife, since that time, we've moved. We moved from the Washington, D.C. area, and initially we moved out near Seattle, but then uh, coming up five years ago, we moved out here to the mountains of Idaho in the middle of nowhere. And you'd think if you're going to affect the world, you want to be there in a place like Washington, D.C. Wow, that's where you can affect the world. But God took us out of there to so literally the middle of nowhere. But thanks to the internet, the power of the internet, ordinary people like my wife and I, we can literally impact people all over the planet from, just from our little home here, so. Every day, you know, I, I, you know, my wife and I, we, we are ordinary people. We just get up and try to do the very best we can to wake people up. You know, we, like, like you guys, we just consider ourselves to be watchmen on the wall. And from our little spot on the wall, we're, we're yelling and screaming as loud as we can to try to wake people up while there's still time. Because, you know, we believe that this country is on a very, very dark path. And, and if we don't turn around, the consequences are going to be unlike anything that any of us have ever experienced before.
2: Boy, he said. He said a mouthful. And it's great to meet you, know you, know who you are now. That that human factor um, you joined now with your articles, uh, with the information you provide. This is great. So now we know who Michael Snyder is, and we really appreciate. We really do appreciate you. And we've had so many people uh, send us guest requests, saying, "Please have Michael Snyder on." please please and we we got a ton of emails uh when we announced your your appearance earlier in the week so many people saying oh man i just can't wait for to hear what he's got to say which brings me to my my opening question counselor <laughs> if you will um my opening question i guess you have really your finger on the pulse of the landscape all across america no um You know what's going on. I mean, you know where we've been. I've, I've, I've read your articles where you, you cite statistics and you know history, which is important because you got to know where we've been and in the context of where we've been to know where we're headed. My question is very simple. Um, If you were going to triage our problems, well, what do you think from the most important, well, what do you think our most important issues are to talk about? on this broadcast today. Uh, Out of everything you've researched and looked at here over the recent, well, the last week, last two weeks, last month, I don't know, since the beginning of the year, what's on your heart to really talk Mm. about?
4: Well, that's a tough question. I mean, certainly we want to talk about the economy today. And and just today we learned initial claims for unemployment benefits, you know, spiked another shot up another 20,000 last week. So we're starting to see the downturn of the economy show up and people are starting to lose their jobs. You know, just in my own extended family, three uh, people have lost their jobs since since the start of the year. So people are losing jobs and and they're starting. And so we want to we want to talk about that tonight. But you know, in terms of just overall what's going on with this country, you know, we we've turned away from from what our founding fathers intended. We've basically totally rejected that. And uh, you know, and and a lot of people say, oh, you know, you know Barack Obama, he's so bad. Hillary Clinton, she's so bad. Congress, all this and that. But the truth is that we really have gotten the leaders that we deserve. And at this point, the American people, especially the younger people, younger adults, they're rejecting pretty much everything that America once stood for. In fact, there was a survey which recently came out which showed that more than half of all U.S. adults under the age of 30 now say that they reject capitalism so and 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 you know we see this desire for socialism with the, you know with the young people especially you know supporting people like Bernie Sanders you know if it was just people under the age of 30 that were voting in the democratic primaries Bernie Sanders would have won by a by a landslide over Hillary Clinton because you know yeah you know the population as a whole is becoming more liberal more socialist more progressive but it's especially true of our young people our young adults you know where Our colleges and universities have been turned into basically indoctrination centers for the radical left, for the progressive movement. Now, I know because I spent eight years at these, you know, at uh, institutions of higher uh, learning in this country. So basically, everything that America once stood for, that it's supposed to be, that our founding fathers intended for this country, we've rejected. And we can talk about a whole whole number of elements uh, regarding this tonight. But if, you know, if we continue to do this and continue down this path, I really don't see much of a future left for this nation. You know, of course, during the election season, people say, well, you know, you know, if we can just get the right guy in the White House, he's going to save us. If we can just, you know, get the right people in the Congress, you know, but, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, you know, I don't see that happening. I believe that America is coming apart around us in thousands of different ways. And, we, you know, in, in different articles I talk about elements of this overall implosion and collapse where, you know, it's not just economics, it's not just politics, it's not just a moral decay, but it's everything, just about every way imaginable. Our society is literally falling apart all around us. And, uh, you know, people, you know, yep, the life, life may seem somewhat still uh, stable and normal for the moment, but I believe that we're uh, at the precipice of an implosion that is going to be absolutely historic.
3: Yeah, and I agree with you. You know, we see what we've done in the Middle East. We see the turmoil that that has created, uh, you know, from Al Qaeda to ISIS, the overthrowing of nations, the uh, dumbing down of society incrementally. Um, and you mentioned it during, uh, before the. We came on air, the apathy that's been created in much of the the people today, Um, it's almost like, and I know you must deal with this a lot, trying to bridge the gap from those that understand and and I guess we'll use the term are awake versus those who uh, either choose to be or continue to be um, oblivious or ignorant to what is really going on in this country and in this world from the corruption to the immorality. It just continues to snowball out of control, and we're seeing, you know, the cause and effect of that from the uh, perversion of our society sexually to, uh, you know, the Hollywood entertainment industry mirroring and and promoting that uh, to the economic conditions of our country uh, on the verge of a meltdown beyond anything that the Federal Reserve uh, or IMF would ever be able to, to uh Correct. So how do we bridge the gap and help people to where, you know, we see and meet this resistance of truth? But how well, do we bridge very, that gap?
4: Yeah, it's very, very difficult because the alternative media is growing and we're informing people. We're trying to wake people up, but we have to realize who we're up against. And it's this this uh, corporate behemoth that basically controls you know what people are thinking about what I'm I'm talking about is the mainstream media where Nielsen and and other sources have found that the average American today you know watches television The average American it's about five hours a day of television and then when you include everything else I'm talking about movies I'm talking about video games uh, you know cell phones uh, you know on the computer you know with a radio uh, you know, when you include all sources of, of, of news and information and entertainment, the average American, studies have found, is plugged into this matrix approximately 10 hours a day. And all this news and information and entertainment, more than 90% of it is controlled by just six gigantic media corporations. You know, they own publishing houses, radio networks. Cable, cable uh, networks, uh, you know, movie studios, you know, and, and so they, and of course, then those six companies are owned in turn by the elite of the world. And so when you let anyone, uh, you know, basically feed programming to you, and, and it's called programming for a reason, when they feed programming to you for 10 hours a day, that's going to have an an impact on you. It's going to affect how you think, how you view the world, what your, you know, moral standards are, all of it. And so to try to combat that, basically a whole population that is just continually plugged into this giant matrix and being fed, you know, for example, when we go to school or to work or, where you know, wherever we are, And even at the dinner table, we're having conversations with our family. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a program we saw on television last night. We're talking about some sporting event. We're talking about something we read in the newspaper. Basically, the agenda for what we consider to be important, what we think, what we, our conversations with our, you know, our family, our friends, our coworkers, the agenda is set by the global elite through the, this giant media uh, conglomeration. And that's a very, very powerful force to try to combat. And and I'm not exactly sure I mean, how to do that. We're doing the best we can, but really it, the the programming of society that's going on is unlike anything we've ever really seen before in human history.
2: The acceleration toward whatever event horizon we may be facing or multiple events just, just seems, I mean, it's it's astounding to me um you know you know michael are you finding it more difficult right now well let me preface the question by saying that i have uh experienced in in my sphere of people who i talk to this this widening divide among people who believe things are fine that we needn't worry about too much oh you know there're some problems and other people who are saying man we are in some really deep trouble that divide seems to be getting well it seems to be growing have you found that recently
4: oh i definitely have i found that you know you know back in 2008 and 2009 you know, people were, you know, the, the, the financial crisis was fresh in their minds and people were like, yeah, we need to do something and, and, you know, things are falling apart. But then we've had kind of had this bubble of relative stability. And so, you know, kind of at the peak of the prepping movement, it was estimated there were about three million preppers in the United States. But since that time, a lot of people have kind of lost the enthusiasm. You know, things have somewhat stabilized. And, you know, in your normal life, it's, it's kind of continued, even though the middle class is shrinking. And we can talk about all those things today. And so people have you know, been tempted to think, well, maybe it's not the the end of, of life as we know it. Maybe everything's going to be okay. And so a lot of people have kind of, some people have quit prepping and, and they've said, well, you know, yeah, things are not ideal. And, and, you know, a lot of things are still going downhill, but, you know, I don't have to store up. Buckets in my basement. I don't have to do this, you know. And so, but then those who are really aware really can see what's happening, but it, it's just not kind of, you know, it exploded into the consciousness of the general population. So there is this divide right now where those who can kind of see what's happening and understand what's coming. They've been preparing, and most of them are already, you know, pretty prepared for for what's ahead. Meanwhile, those that are apathetic, those that have blind faith in Barack Obama and the Federal Reserve and and our current system... They haven't prepared, and they're not likely to get prepared. So those who have felt the need to get prepared are pretty much already prepared. Those that didn't want to prepare, they're not prepared. So I think that's kind of where we're at, and we're going to try to wake as many people up as we can. But to be honest, we're already getting to the point, and we can talk about some of these economic reasons why, why, where if people haven't prepared, it's almost too late. I mean, people need to do whatever they can, but we're getting so late in the game, I believe, that it's, if people try to start now and, and, and get fully prepared at this point, it's kind of really, really late in the game, in my, in my opinion, and I think it'll become self-evident as we move in, in, into the months forward.
2: Okay. Yeah, we need to talk about a lot of things from the economy. Um, we've got a full plate, really, of domestic issues, the economy, the elections, obviously, and then on the larger scale. All across the globe, the geopolitical things that are taking place. And, uh, of course, stitching all of that together, your new book as well, The Rapture Verdict. Uh, of course, you've authored other books, including The Beginning of the End. Um, very, very good book as well. Uh, in fact, I, I recommend everything written by Michael Snyder. That's just my personal preference, but I believe you'll, folks, you'll be enriched. Um, there, there's no, there's no bad product or no bad book that Michael Snyder writes or whatever. It's it's all. You'll I guarantee you will learn things by his writings. But let me ask you about this before we get too far down the road here. Uh, I believe it was yesterday or today perhaps you wrote an article on the EconomicCollapseBlog.com. I should say theeconomiccollapseblog.com. Uh, Armageddon, are you ready for the chaos that will ensue when the power grid is brought down? Um, we had Mike, uh, we had uh, Gary Haven on and, uh, Mike Norris, filmmaker for Armageddon. yesterday. We had them on the show. We were talking about an EMP. What's your what's your feeling about the possibility of an EMP? I mean, well,
4: and yeah, it's something I've been concerned about for years because really, if you wanted to take America down, our power grid is one of the areas where we're most vulnerable. Where you know, because you know, if you explode a, a big bomb in a city or something, well, that affects that city. But if you were to take our power grid down, which is extremely vulnerable. You could fundamentally change life on this planet. You could have the biggest kind of long-term bang for your buck if you would, you know, in terms of doing real damage to this country. You know, in in fact, you know, the EMP commission it was established in 2001 to study this problem. So they studied it for years, and then they came back. They reported to Congress, and in 2008, they told Congress, "Hey." This is really a possibility. You know, whether it's a nuclear weapon, you know, exploded at high altitude over the United States, or several nuclear weapons, you know, taking out our power grid, or if it's a, a solar event that comes and hits us, like the, the Carrington event back in 1859 that that fried telegraph machines from coast to coast. If something like that happened took out our power grid, well, according to this commission, which studied this for years and reported to Congress, they said up to 90% of the U.S. population could be dead within a year. Now, you know, personally, I think that's a little high, but what if it's even half the country? What if, you know, what if, you know, we're still talking about an event that is absolutely unimaginable. So, you know, we're so dependent on technology today. So, you know, what would we do in a world with no lights and no cell phones, no computers, no televisions, no ATMs, no banking, no cash registers, no refrigerators, no hospital equipment? Well, we would be in a massive amount of trouble very, very rapidly. And and most people don't realize, you know, and they say, well, who's going to explode a nuclear weapon over our country? You know, I think that's actually a very realistic scenario. But... Even if that never happens, scientists tell us that it's inevitable that someday we're going to have another a similar event to the Carrington event back in 1859, where the sun is going to hit us with one of these huge electromagnetic blasts, and in fact, in 2012 and in 2013, there were very close calls, very close calls. If either of those had hit us directly, I mean, we would have had this kind of scenario that's portrayed in this movie, Armageddon. so... Um, I, I'm very concerned about it, and basically to kind of strengthen our system, it would it would only cost a few billion dollars to kind of, you know, kind of harden our system, help prepare us at least to a certain degree against this type of event, but Con- Barack Obama doesn't want to do it, Congress doesn't want to do it, and, and they're wasting billions of dollars in some of the most bizarre ways imaginable anyway. You know, why not spend it on actually doing something for our power grid, which is probably where one of the areas we're most vulnerable with in terms of uh, national security, homeland security. You know, we're, it's far more important to do something about our power grid than it is to, you know, basically molest us at the airports and, and all these other things that they're doing in the in the name of national security. But they won't do anything they haven't taken action, we're, we're extremely vulnerable. Even Ted Koppel has written a book about this, and let me tell you something, recently I was talking to one of my contacts, and he spoke directly to someone in our intelligence community who was involved in the arrest recently of a dual citizen, he was a, a U.S. national and a Chinese national, and he was apparently working, you know, uh, you know, uh, connected to one of our, our our nuclear power facilities. But they arrested this individual, and the person in the intelligence community who was involved in this arrest told my contact directly, and I got it directly from him that basically the Chinese, all they would have to do to take down our power grid is basically press a button, they can do it with a press of a button, and it's not just the Chinese that are developing these capabilities, it's the Russians, it's the North Koreans, you know, where they're developing these cyber warfare capabilities, but basically the message that, that my friend wanted me to understand is that our power grid is far, far more vulnerable than any of us would dare to imagine. And if it was to be taken down, you know, just, just, uh, you know, a certain number of these major substations, you know, we could be, it, it's, it would take potentially a year or longer, to, you know, just to start to restore power. And, and what would that look like? I mean, there's been movies like Amerigan and some others which have explored this, but it's a very, very realistic scenario, unfortunately, because we've never really faced it before. You know, there's this normalcy bias where people say, well, it's never happened in the past. It's not something I need to be worried about. But it's something that I'm very, very concerned about.
3: Yeah, that's... You know, well, and it, it's almost like we went, we attended a conference on EMPs when that book Tuesday, came, May 4th,
2: 2010.
3: Yeah, when that book EMP came out. And, you know, just listening to you describe the problem again, uh, just... In my mind, reiterates the fact that it's not the question of why Congress or the administration hasn't done anything about it It's obvious to me that it because of the easy solution it would be i think it said they said it would take two years, a few billion dollars to reground everything or rewire everything so it would not be affected by an e m p It's a matter of them not wanting to i think leaving the door open for the scenario to have to happen. Um, because you know we talk a lot about, and you write a lot about the uh, economic problems we have in this country. Oh, wait
2: a second, I, I love his. I love in his article on the. If you go to the dot com, I love his comment on there. It's almost as if a cloud of insanity has descended upon the land, and nobody can think straight. His reference to Obama, in um, Congress, and everyone inside the Beltway about this. That's that's amazing.
3: Yeah, and and what I was going to say is, you know, with the I've been I've done a lot of research on the uh, healthcare electronic health records, um RFID uh, in my opinion could be the mark of the beast system. But, you know, we talk about on this show is this economic system, is this uh western democratic system of government going to have to be tore down in order for the new world order to be implemented or is it going to be a smoother transition and i believe that it will not be a smooth transition the old system will have to be tore down but uh what better way to take care of the economy and not only that but all their other concerns than with an emp rather than just dealing with you know the economic or political backlash from uh crashes in the in the economic market or um unrest in the political arena than just having an emp letting the american people um try to survive amongst themselves for a month or two followed by a uh, declaration of martial law or sending in homeland security to clean up the rest of the mess um it seems like from their standpoint of depopulation and reconsolidation of power, that would be the most effective way to do this. Would you agree, or do do you have a, a different perspective on that?
4: Oh, I I agree with you that it could certainly, because what the elite like to do, they like to use chaos in in which you know if they want to make a major paradigm shift. We'll just bring in some some chaos, and then they'll impose the the solution that they had in mind all along, or or, or move society in the direction that they want. Because when things are normal and things are good, people are not usually ready for big changes. But when things get crazy, when people don't have food, when people, you know, uh, you know, when people are hurting, well, then they can. Advance their agendas very, very rapidly, and so you know they 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 you know, they never want a good uh, crisis to go to waste, and so, um, and and I think the elite are getting ready to make big moves, to make big shifts, and uh, you know, so I think that the you know, and and so a major crisis of this magnitude would serve their purposes very, very well, and uh, and already, the, you know, in the background, they're starting to. Work on things that they, they want to, uh, implement. For example, there was this re, recently there was just this secret meeting of, uh, for bankers in New York City. It was, uh, right there in an office just off of Times Square and we may have never even learned about it except for this one article in Bloomberg where there were executives from more than a hundred different financial institutions gathered uh, at this meeting, and at the meeting was, uh, the presentation was from a company known as Chain, which I think is very apropos, as in Chains of Our Enslavement. But this company, Chain, unveiled a technology that transforms paper currency, U.S. dollars, into pure digital assets. And so we're all used to, you know, transferring money out of our bank accounts electronic, uh, electronically to pay someone else or to someone else. But the idea, if for, with this new technology, it would be digital dollars. It would be taking the pa- replacing paper money, and the currency it wouldn't be tied to your bank account necessarily at all. The the currency would actually be in your mobile device. It would be digital. It would be kind of a replacement for a Bitcoin and all those kind of cryptocurrencies. It would be a replacement for paper money. But it would be the digits would actually be the currency. And, and so you'd use your mobile phone or other mobile device where you go to to pay for something and and intended to kind of switch from our current, you know, paper money and and coins to going to a system that's entirely digital. And right now we're seeing this move toward a digital, a cashless society all over the world. You know, for example, in Sweden, 95% of all retail transactions are already cashless. You know, they're taking ATM machines out by the hundreds, um, if you can believe that. In church in Sweden, if you go, most people, you know, they swipe their card or they do it electronically. And even homeless people, the government gives out, yeah. you know, uh, payment machines to homeless people. So when they sell their newspapers or they're asking for money, it can be done electronically. If you if you want to take a bus in Sweden, you, you know, in many areas, you can't even pay with cash anymore. And And there's a lot of banks, actually, in Sweden today. That won't give out cash or won't take cash because they've gone that much in, in terms of a, toward a cashless system.
2: Is, is that, is that the, well, obviously that is the end game, isn't it? Um, cashless, yeah, totally cashless. Because you can't you, you, control so Yeah, you yeah. can't control what you can't. They can't control what they yeah. can't see. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and and and, uh, of course banks love this idea because if it's totally cashless and you know we can't stuff money in our mattresses well then we have to deal with the banks and and every time we swipe our cards they collect a fee you know so they make more money so they like that idea and then of course governments like the idea of a cashless society because you know if everything's cashless and everything goes through the system well they can watch and track and monitor everyone and they say well we're gonna crack down on tax evaders and drug dealers and money launderers and terrorists you know that's a big thing a big excuse they like to use but really basically our financial privacy would be gone the government would see what everyone's doing what everyone's buying how everyone's using their money and it would also set up the door for potential tyranny where the government could be the gatekeeper and say, okay, everyone needs to use this cashless system, but in order to use it, you've got to have the proper government sanctioned form of identification. So you've got to come in and get your biometrics or, you know, get your card or whatever it is, or have to take some type of loyalty oath, you know, so the the possibility for tyranny under a... Because if you, if, if, if everyone has to participate, and and the government can set the terms for participation, and if you don't participate, well, you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't open a bank account, you can't have a job. Basically, you're done for. And so, and and those of us that know the Bible kind of know the direction this is going, but. But this is happening all over the world, not just in Sweden. In Denmark, that their government actually has a stated goal of quote eradicating cash unquote by the year 2030. In Norway, the biggest bank in the entire country recently came out and requested of the government, told the government, said, "Hey, let's get rid of cash entirely. You know, know, let's totally get rid of it." In uh, in Spain. All cash transactions over 2,500 euros have now been banned. In France and Italy, it's even more restrictive. All cash transactions over 1,000 euros have been banned. And that's a way to slowly ban cash, is to set a cap on, on cash transactions, saying you can't use cash for any transactions over that, and then slowly lower the cap, lower and lower and lower. And if you get it low enough, you've essentially completely banned cash. Um, and so that's a way to slowly, but it's happening all over the world. Even in India, there's a major push to give people these debit cards and whatever, and to get people to give up using physical cash. But this is where it's going. This is what the global elite want. And, uh, you know, and that's why the secret meeting in New York was so alarming. Because the reason it's secret, and they're just revealing it kind of to the New World Order bankers. Is because they don't want the general public to know what's going on. Because of course, what are people like me and you going to do? We're going to get upset. and We're going to say, "Hey, we don't want to go to a cashless system. It's a it's a threat to our liberty and our freedom." But the, you know, so they do it in secret. Um, but that's why it's so important. We need to get the word out about this.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what you mentioned there about a loyalty oath or uh, and using uh, terrorism uh you know most of the funding of terrorism comes from our our own uh, us dollar and the governments and institutions ngos and international organizations uh with access to those terror groups you know in direct relation from our government uh the funding and we know you know a lot of these false flags or or reasons that uh that they use are reasons or problems that they created but when you said loyalty oath, that took me right to scripture and revelation with the, with the mark of the beast. You know, no man might buy or sell, yep. uh, lest he has the mark, whether free or, uh, slave or rich or poor. And, um, it's chilling to see how close we are coming to that, especially in Europe. But you mentioned some articles that I remember reading about, uh, right at the, the end of the year in 2015, where, uh reading about the homeless men who would get the card readers and how it was 95% cashless already over there and it would just take one crisis one even economic collapse and you alluded to it when at the beginning of the hour talking about the stock market numbers and the trends that are going on in the financial system of the US how we are moving towards that you know we've went through the quantitative easing phase where in um the Weimar Republic we remember uh, seeing how the inflation was so bad that wheelbarrows full of money uh, could not even be used to buy a loaf of bread and you know we worry about that happening here uh we see Saudi Arabia threatening us financially about the 28 pages um there is a lot of economic insecurity uh, in this country um for those of us who are paying attention and uh, you know, people worry about their 401ks, their stock markets, the social security system, all these Ponzi schemes that have been set up. And what better way to bring everybody into submission but to threaten their future and or uh, their future abilities for retirement and or future abilities to live if they say you have to do X, Y, and Z or you cannot be part of our community. And that's the exact direction that they're moving in. And in my research they're merging this through the health care system which is their leg in in order to implement this uh this type of system what are some of the indicators of the economy that you see here in America that we are going to move towards a more consolidated uh currency or away from the dollar i know that the chinese yuan recently is uh, announced a gold-backed currency. What are some of the other indicators we should be looking for a- ahead of major changes here for the U.S. economy?
4: Well, I think before we get to kind of, uh, you know, uh, I think we're going to experience a major financial crisis. Uh, we've already kind of had the four shocks, whether it was in what we saw in August, where we had the greatest financial shaking since. The crisis of 2008. Then in January, you know, to start the year in early February, another great shaking took global markets, U.S. markets down even further. But then they've kind of recovered, so people think that we're okay. But you know, um, we, you know, I can talk about a lot of these numbers, which show that no, you know, we the markets have had their ups and downs. But over the past six months to a year. Things have just gotten worse and worse and worse in terms of the economic fundamentals. So we're moving into this crisis, and this crisis, and then, of course, there's going to be a response, and they're going to bring in a lot of these things, and, and the U.S. dollar is going to die, just not yet. You know, I don't believe it's imminent, as some people out there do, but I believe they are eventually going, the dollar is eventually going to die, and they are going to try to replace it eventually, but just not yet. First, I believe we're going into a horrible, horrible Crisis, And even now we're starting to see the economy slow down. I mean, just today we learned that, uh, you know, the initial claims for unemployment shot up again by another 20,000. So we're starting to see, you know, the, these claims for unemployment rise. And, and the reason is is because firms are laying off people right now. In fact, according to Challenger Grain Christmas, U.S. US firms announced – more job cuts during April than they did in March, so it's accelerating, and so far for the first four months uh, of uh, 2016, job cut announcements are running 24% higher than they did during the exact same period in 2015. So firms are starting to lay off more people. And the reason they're doing this is because sales are down, earnings are down. In in fact, if you look at total business sales in terms of the amount of stuff that companies are actually selling to people in this country, they've been declining now for nearly two years, since late 2014. And at this point, total business sales are down 15% from late 2014. In other words, businesses are selling 15% less stuff than they were you know, uh, nearly two years ago. That's a huge move downward. And as a result of selling less stuff, we're seeing the inventory to sales ratio rise dramatically. In fact, at this point, it's the highest it's been since the depths of the last recession. And what that means is there's lots and lots of unsold stuff sitting around out there that companies can't get rid of, and and that's a sign of a very unhealthy economy. If you look at corporate earnings, corporate earnings have now declined for four quarters in a row. This is, you know, we're seeing this downward slide. And for the first quarter of 2016, profits for companies listed on the S&P 500 were down 7.1% compared to the same period a year ago. The economy is slowing down. And a result of earnings being down, profits being down, companies making less money we're seeing a lot more bankruptcies. In fact, uh, commercial bankruptcies in April were up 32% on a year-over-year basis, and Chapter 11 bankruptcy filings were up 67% compared to the same month a year ago. So we're seeing bankruptcies, companies going under at a rate we haven't seen since the last time around. This is exactly what we would expect if we're, if we're in the early chapters of a new economic crisis. Or you look at stuff being shipped around the country in, in terms of being bought and sold and shipped by, by, uh, by air, by different methods, by rail. Well, rail traffic last month was down 11% compared to the same month in 2015. And I recently wrote an article. I included this picture. It was of 292 Union Pacific train engines that were sitting in the middle of the Arizona desert, just sitting there idle. Not moving because they're just sitting. They're they're just sitting there being stored because there's literally nothing for them to do because rail traffic is down so much. You know, especially the coal industry has been destroyed. The U.S. economy has lost 191,000 mining jobs just since September 2015. Since the beginning of last year, we've lost over 100,000 energy jobs in the in the oil industry and so forth. And so this economic slowdown is here. It's increasing. It's accelerating. All the same things we saw just before the great crash of 2008 are happening. And so I want people to understand that it's 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 here, it's happening, and it's going to get a lot worse.
3: Can't argue with you there. Um, and those are some staggering statistics and numbers that you just gave. Um, you know what, Joe?
2: I hope people heard and really understood the significance of those numbers. We're not getting the truth from the mainstream corporate Illuminati-controlled mass media. I mean, we're not being told the truth about the state of our economy. You mentioned something just during that conversation. You're not expecting an economic... If I heard you correctly, did you say you're not expecting an economic collapse soon or the dollar to collapse uh soon, like in the short term, or did I misunderstand you?
1: Well,
4: I was specifically addressing the U.S. dollar. um, Okay. Because, you know, in terms of the a lot of people say, oh, I want to get rid of all my paper money. You know, I want to put everything into gold and silver, and and I love gold and silver, but in, in the initial stage of what we're moving into, it's going to be similar to 2008. If you remember back then... Um, you know, we had a situation where all of a sudden millions of people started losing their jobs and because they didn't have anything to fall back on, basically more than 60% of the country was living paycheck to paycheck just like it's happening now. All of a sudden people couldn't pay the mortgage, they couldn't pay the bills and so then they lost their homes and they went from living kind of a comfortable middle class lifestyle to being out on the street very, very rapidly. Well, that's why I encourage everyone that we do need, and and people do need, an emergency fund that can cover, I believe, at least six months of of your bills, so if you lose a job or you have a business reversal or whatever, some kind of emergency, you can still pay the mortgage, you can still pay the rent, you can still buy food for your family. So in addition to, you know, I'm a big believer in storing up food and supplies, and I love gold and silver, but also... People are going to need some dollars, some money in the initial stage of this crisis. Now later on, I do believe the dollar is going to totally collapse. They're going to try to replace it, and all these things. And so I, I do believe that the death of the dollar is coming. But I don't want people. And, and so there's going to be there's going to be different strategies required for different stages of the crisis. So at some point, yeah, your dollars are going to be quite worthless. But not yet in the initial stage of what's coming you're going to need them still to pay your bills so um, th- that's the distinction i'm trying to make
2: thank you it, it, it helps me understand where you're coming from a little bit better and, and i and i tend to agree with that and, and are, are we witnessing the, this distinction too i think it's important are we witnessing a uh, death or are we witnessing a homicide here are they killing the dollar deliberately or is this death by a thousand paper cuts and, you know Mm-mm. ignorance? Well,
4: I, yeah. Well, I you know, so much of what Barack Obama has done, for example, just take him you know, a lot of people say, Well, is he just incompetent or is he just uh, you know, delusional or or does is he purposely trying to harm this country? And the more time goes by, the more it seems like, wow, it sure seems like a lot of coincidences are stacking up. So, you know, the more time goes by, the more I tend to lean toward that a lot of what we're seeing is purposeful because, you know, basically, you know, the United States has been the great beacon, uh, you know, to a certain degree for liberty and freedom traditionally around the world, and and to a certain extent, it's the the patriots, you know, because we still have patriots here, we still have people who love this country, who believe in the ideals that our founding fathers, you know, tried to, you know, uh, instill and, and set forth in our Constitution, so there, uh, there's still a large percentage of this country that believes in the U.S. Constitution, but and but to the uh, elitists the global elitists they see that as one of the biggest obstacles to kind of implementing their new world order. Because most of the rest of the world, you know, you look over in Europe, they've pretty much fully embraced socialism, progressivism, you know, and it's, you know, Europe is already kind of mostly a post-Christian society. You know, South America, is you know, really embraced socialism, although it's not working out really well down there, if you look in Venezuela and Brazil right now. But much of the rest of the world is ready, you know, is is, is pretty much ready to embrace kind of the agenda of the New World Order, but really, here in the United States, there's still large blocks of people that are resisting and and don't want that and want to take this country back in 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 the direction of the u s constitution and 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 the way that things should be in this country and so i you know I think that You know, they're envisioning bringing the United States down to a a very significant degree and uh, reducing our influence in the world as a way to kind of advance what they're trying to do.
3: Very interesting. Mr. Snyder, we are up against our top of the hour break. We, uh, I know we didn't really talk before the show, Uh, we have a five minute break starting here in, in just a minute. Um, So feel free to uh, hydrate. Yeah, (laughs) get some coffee, (laughs) uh, refresh. But But when we come back, um, I want to get into if we can if we can get into the presidential election and get your take on, on on what you're seeing. Uh, both in the Republican and, and the Democratic side, uh, leading up to the conventions, then to the election. And we I'd love to talk about your book, oh, yeah. uh, your latest book, and, and your other books as well. And anything you want to talk about and promote, um, we're, we're leaving the door wide open for you to do so. Um, but folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Thursday edition with author, investigative journalist, attorney, Michael Snyder. His websites are... Uh, you can go to the TheEconomicCollapseBlog.com or you can go to EndOfTheAmericanDream.com. Also, TheMostImportantNews.com. Just look under the, the description on the blog talk show page or on the YouTube and get his information there. We'll be right back with Michael Snyder.
1: This is the Global Star Radio Network
0: town or it's the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers Denials and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stain by blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at Hagmanandhagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood.
2: Welcome back, folks, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our very special guest, Mr. Michael Snyder. Just a number of websites, including the com. Well, well, just go to HagmanandHagman.com and, and, and look at the show description. All of his websites are right there. His book, his new book, The Rapture. The Rapture Verdict? Yep, very, very good book. And uh, just so many things, and so many people are so very excited to have you, to hear you, uh, knowing your writing, so it's really a treat for us to have you on, and we really appreciate your time. It's a sacrifice of time. Folks, you, you know, it, understand, I mean, this is uh, a sacrificing. Mr. Snyder sacrificing his time to come on, uh, his family time, and uh, we really appreciate that. Tomorrow night, I just want to remind people, don't miss it. Paul McGuire is going to be our guest for the entire program, and he's got some things weighing heavily on his heart. Paul McGuire dot us his website he's going to be on tomorrow but getting back to our guest uh, Mr Michael Snyder again thank you so much for for appearing on on our program let's if we can start out this hour because we've got a page multiple pages actually of of people asking about um, what you feel
3: on the, yeah, on on the elections. elections yeah and let's start with the Democratic side we have uh, you mentioned earlier the support Bernie Sanders has been getting. With the younger generation, uh, 30 and under, uh, you, you said if he was, uh, if the race was based on that alone, you know, he would win by a landslide. We have Hillary Clinton who should be facing um, charges in the email scandal uh, that the FBI investigation seems to be. Um, well, yeah, being let's let's stop right there. Uh,
2: Benghazi, of course, you go back to cattle gate, um, BCCI, uh, well. The Rose Law Firm stuff, the FBI files. I mean, Vince Foster, who I truly believe did not commit suicide, I, I believe personally, just from my research on this, was murdered. And uh, But having said all of that, enough scandals, Hillary Clinton. Do you believe this latest thing with Hillary Clinton with respect to the um, email server? Do you, number one, do you believe that, first of all, that, that there is... Criminal activity there based on your research? And if so, do you believe that it will be acted on by the Department of Justice here in America?
4: Uh, you know, without a doubt, I believe there was criminal activity. You know, now, unfortunately, you know, the Bureaucracy and whatever is, you know, and uh, it, you know, tends to be very, very progressive and, and supportive of Hillary Clinton. But without a doubt, I believe there's criminal activity there. But, if, you know, the, the Clintons seem to be these people that nothing can stick to, whether it's Benghazi or going back. I mean, you go back for decades, and there's just this, this massive list of people that were once associated with the Clintons or close to the Clintons that ended up dead, you know, somehow, one way or the other. And so if you look at it, I mean, it's just dozens and dozens. The people that ended up dead and, you, you know, hey, it's just a, you know, it's, it's, it's just too much to think it's a coincidence but basically, I don't believe Hillary Clinton is going to face criminal charges, I don't believe she's going to prison, although I, I believe that she should, I believe that she's basically going to, you know, the, because basically the elite the elite don't want Bernie Sanders, you know, but on the Democratic side, you know, you got so many people, especially the young people are fed up with the establishment. And we're seeing this in, in their enthusiasm for Bernie Sanders, but the elite don't want Bernie Sanders because they can't fully control him. The, the elite want Hillary Clinton to be the nominee, and so that's, that, it looks like that's what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, and then on the Republican side, things have, have totally gone not according to plan because the plan was to have Jeb Bush or another establishment candidate at least win the nomination because that's what the elite like to do they like to control both sides but by some miracle you know Donald Trump has come along and despite the you know the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been spent against him in attack ads in spite of basically the whole establishment you know the, the laundry list of candidates opposed to him Donald Trump has come out victorious so far and he's the presumptive nominee at this point um and but it's showing on the Republican side there's this deep 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 uh, 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 you know distrust and dislike for the establishment so it's really you know we're seeing a fundamental shift I believe in in American politics. But, of course, the elite the establishment are not ready to give up control yet, so I believe at this point, the elites see pretty much only two scenarios that are going to be acceptable to them either Hillary Clinton becomes the next president or uh, Barack Obama stays in office due to some sort of major emergency um, in which he would, if there was an emergency big enough, some type of national crisis big enough. The the legal framework is already there for him to stay in and to suspend the elections, but it would require something really, really big to happen. But those are the two scenarios I believe that the elite would would be acceptable to the elite. So, you know, I know a lot of people are really excited about Donald Trump. They say, oh, if we can just get him in, he could change things. And it really is a miracle what's happened so far where he's the presumptive nominee. Now, let's not assume that he's actually going to get the nomination yet, because there's still all kinds of dirty tricks the Republicans could pull at the convention. So, you know, let's not forget, let's not forget that or assume that that's going to be, you know, easy. Because I believe, it's my contention, it continues to be my contention, that the elite will move heaven and earth to do whatever's necessary to make sure Donald Trump never sets foot in the White House. They'll do whatever's necessary. So... Even if he goes to the convention and gets through the convention and is the nominee, the battle is far, far, far from over. And, of course, the elite would much rather see Hillary Clinton than Donald Trump, so all the their support would be thrown to Hillary Clinton. But uh, if it does get to the point where uh, Donald Trump is actually a threat to win the election and actually be be, be inaugurated as president, um, the elite, I believe, would do whatever is necessary to keep that from happening. And the reason is because they don't control Donald Trump. He's someone that they can't control, they don't control. He's saying things that they don't like. And so he's a totally different breed of politician. And he's, he's, you know, basically, even though he's wealth, very wealthy, he's basically a total outsider. He's, he's totally, he's not part of the club. And so, but see, what this election is doing is it's revealing the game behind the game. For so many years, you know, pretty much the elites' favorites have sailed through the nominating process, have have been, you know, have have gotten the nomination and and, have moved forward. And and so we, we didn't get much insight into the game behind the game. But now we're starting to see how de- desperate the elite are and how much they cherish having control and being in control and, and, and what they're willing to do to keep someone like Donald Trump out of the picture. And so they've, they they've, they've gone, you know, they spent a lot of money so far. They've done a lot of things, but it hasn't worked. He's, he's, he's moved forward. He's, he's winning. But, you know, we're still six months away from the election, and and they're going to take more and more extreme steps as we move forward, I believe, to make sure that Donald Trump is is not our next president.
2: Do you, yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much can be said about Trump uh, in terms of, I certainly hope he's genuine. I I do believe he's genuine, and I've heard that that phrase stated by so many people, uh, truly an outsider and shaking up the system. I'm more inclined to take a look at the the environment, the change of environment that he has created, whether or not it was, and and I do believe it was intentional, but uh, uh, just to see, the, the the republican establishment or, or just the establishment in general being shaken up by trump uh or at least the, the that's a consequence of of his involvement and, and that that tickles me because i i don't think that the powers behind the curtain had expected this to, to really take hold like it did and of course now they they've got a to, in my view, anyway, they've got to, like, do things to, to stop him. And I really would not want to be in a small aircraft with uh, Trump. Uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd be checking out the mechanic. And, you know, it's, it's just it, it seems like there's a lot of potential there for for taking him out in a, in a larger sense. Um, let me move move back for a second here. Did you to catch any part of the White House correspondence Dinner with, uh, with Barack Obama's comments at all?
4: I did. I did catch uh, many of his jokes, which seemed kind of uh, eerie.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm going to toss this out there, and I don't know how many people caught this. I was actually reading a transcript, and I didn't really catch it in, uh, on, on the video, but I caught it on the transcript. And I don't. I'm not a, a fan of these games or movies from games. Game of Thrones. Essentially, he made a reference to Red Wedding. Did you happen to see that? the red wedding did you do you know what i'm referring to because you could have easily missed it oh
4: oh, no i I didn't catch that
2: okay well i'll just set it up for you real quick here um and then this is very disturbing in amongst the eeriness of his of his appearance uh barack hussein obama barry satoro was up there talking and, and you know um part of the way into the into the broadcast or into the uh, speech, he said, We have two Republican senators, and, and he pointed them out, and he said, uh let's do uh, this right now. bar the doors uh, bring in, and he made a reference to a judge the judge from Oklahoma City um, hanging judge, they referred to a mess, and uh, uh let's do this right, yeah, you're right, let's do this right here right now and then he made a reference just like the red wedding. And that was a reference to, and I didn't know this until I started doing the research, because I was thinking, Red Wedding, what the heck is that all about? And I started doing the research, and and I found out it's a reference to this murder, mass murder in the Game of Thrones, from the Game of Thrones, um, where your opposition is just totally annihilated uh, through murder. it's, It's in the urban dictionary. What a... What a non-diplomatic, odd, misplaced thing to say. Poor joke. Poor taste. Not even
3: a joke, to me. But man, yeah. Basically, inferring, you know, wow. rounding up all political opposition and taking them out. Was yeah, coming that they were joking about doing it there.
2: Yeah, and and he he kind of laughed, but didn't laugh, and it was just a very unsettling, um, thing, unsettling event. And I don't know how many people caught that. But man, I mean the, the the black comedian they talked about, of course, and, and you know, the end where he drops the microphone, um, Barack out, you know, the two finger salute, if you will, um, at the end of the um or at the end of the um speech. But I don't know. I just wanted to mention that because I thought, wow, that was just pretty bizarre. But all right, so mm-hmm.
4: And there was, you in, in the same dinner, there was also, you know, they 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 put some video clips together. They're supposed to be humorous, but at one point, Barack Obama, he was he made this video using a using a cell phone and then put it on the internet in this in this you know humorous clip that they put together. But in 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 this clip that was put on the internet in 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 this thing, Barack Obama's face was actually turned into the face of a monster, and he looked demonic you know and yeah. so you, you yeah. saw this transformation and so that was kind of very very eerie too but you know i i'll tell you what you know if 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 uh you know it, it looks like Donald Trump is going to win the potentially win the election if we get to that stage you know, I wouldn't put it out of the question where a major, major false flag type of event or disaster is created, which would enable uh, Barack Obama to suspend the election and remain in office in order to prevent Donald Trump from taking control. So, I mean, I think there's all kind of, I think this, this election season, I mean, it, it's already been the weirdest we've seen in ages, and I think it's going to get a lot weirder before it's all over.
3: All right. Um. We want to, to move on to talk about your book, The Rapture Verdict. Just before, before we do that, uh, just a quick geopolitical analysis. Um, from China to Russia to the saber rattling that's been going on with, uh, you know, the, uh, potential political and, and military rifts out there from the South China Sea, the islands in the South China Sea to Russia's, uh, aggression with their, uh, Air Force, you know, buzzing U.S. ships and, and international waters and, and whatnot. Do you think that's more of uh, political theater, or do you think there, there is some validity behind these uh, threats and actions of, of threats?
4: Well, I I actually think it's very, very real, and uh, it's something I'm very concerned about. And in Russia and China, it's a much bigger deal than it's actually here in the United States. Most Americans aren't paying attention to this. But, you know, just today I was reading about how now the U.S. unveiled a missile defense system in uh, Romania, and the Russians Mm -hmm. are saying this threatens our security. We're very, very upset about this. You know, it's another thing that's basically taken our relationship with Russia completely down the tubes, you know, and then out there in the South China Sea, the third time now, uh, you know, we just sailed another warship right past those islands, right into the waters that China claims and China, you know, was of course very, very upset about this. But uh you know Barack Obama's decided some somehow it's a real good idea. Well, let's just sail some warships by these islands and see if the Chinese start shooting at us. You know, just I, I think it's utter insanity. But our relationship with China is also going downhill very, very rapidly for, for a variety of reasons. Whether it's the whole spying accusations of spying on both sides, currency manipulation, or or whatever. Especially the South China Sea. And of course, with Russia, things have been going downhill for ages, whether it's Syria, whether it's Ukraine. And, you know, we could talk for half an hour about that. But, uh, you know, we're seeing Russia and China get closer to each other. And we're seeing our relationship with both of them deteriorate dramatically. And so, and, but the thing is, is that here in the United States, we're not preparing for a potential conflict with Russia or China. We're focused on terrorism. We're focused on other things. But Russia and China both see us as their number one kind of long-term geopolitical enemy. Both of them are rapidly modernizing their forces. In fact, Russia, uh, there was just articles this week about the new Sarmat intercontinental ballistic missile, which has been nicknamed the Satan-2, you know, because the original the ones they had before were were known as the Satan missiles, and now these have been known as the Satan-2. But basically, these missiles... They, they can avoid any type of missile defense system and they can carry 12 warheads each. And the power of those warheads, you know, basically just a single missile with 12 warheads could destroy an area the size of France or the state of Texas. Basically all the cities, the entire area pretty much wiped out. So Russia is, is modernizing. They're, they're working on developing their nuclear forces. Meanwhile, The size of the U.S. strategic arsenal, nuclear strategic arsenal has been reduced about 95% since the height of the Cold War. Many of our nuclear facilities, our our nuclear missile units, they're using technology from the 1960s where they're using floppy disks. I'm talking about the 8-inch square floppy disks. They're still using rotary phones, you know, to communicate. You know, it's, it's a joke, you know. And so, uh, yeah, this is something that I watch that I'm concerned about. A lot of Americans don't think too much about this day because they think the Cold War is over. Well, the nuclear war is not even a possibility. We can never go have a conflict with Russia or China. But to me, this is something that I, I do watch very, very carefully.
0: Very interesting.
3: Yeah, as we continue to see everything heating up. Uh, the tensions, especially whether it's, uh, for a perceived, uh, for the American people who are awake or they're real, there does seem to be something there. Uh, Mr. Snyder, f- well, for the remainder of the show, we got about 35 minutes left. I would love to, to just get into your, uh, latest book, The Rapture Verdict. And folks, if you go to his website, endoftheamericandream.com, and there, uh, is a, uh, subcategory there. The Rapture Verdict. It is in blue, um, second from the left, and if you click that, you will read a very in-depth description of the book, not only the book, but Mr. Snyder's story, Um, and I like the way you set this up on your website, Mr. Snyder. Uh, By the the way, I'm
2: I'm going to... I just want to interrupt here deliberately. I'm going to purchase, as soon as the program is over, a print version as well as a Kindle version of his book. The reason being, I really want... To, I mean, his analysis based on what you're talking about right there, mm-hmm. to me is enough. Uh, that sold me on the, on the on the on the for the book. So, I just wanted to drive that point home and, and let everyone know that you know we put our we put our money where the, our mouths are uh, in in this respect because you know we're, we want to learn. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Go on.
3: Yeah, and I'll, I'll just ask you right from the first sentence of of um, your page on your website from the Rapture verdict. Uh, you say this is the most important thing that you have ever written, also the most controversial. Can you explain that a little bit?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's one of the most controversial, and it's turning out to be one of the most controversial Christian books of 2016 because it directly contradicts what most churches in the Western world are teaching about. These things, the events of the last days, the things we're moving into, what the Bible has to say, Um, because most of the church in the western world is teaching this doctrine which has only been around about two hundred years for the first eighteen hundred years of church history Christians always taught that we're going through everything, we're going to face the Antichrist, we're going to go all, and then Jesus is coming back for us at the very end. But then about 200 years ago, this, this doctrine came about, and there's a whole history behind that, and, uh, and this girl had a vision, and and then it started to spread, and today it's become the dominant teaching in, uh, North America and, uh, the, you know, and Europe and, and many areas, other areas around the world. But the idea is this, that you know the, the the Bible describes that that Jesus is going to come back, and what these people believe, who believe in a pre tribulation rapture, well, you know they believe that um, there is going to be the seven year period of tribulation. Basically, the Bible describes it as the worst period of time the world has ever seen uh, or ever will see, immediately preceding the time when Jesus comes back. But according to these people who believe in a pre tribulation rapture, Jesus is going to come back and get all the Christians before that seven-year period begins. And then everyone else is going to have to go through those seven years, but the Christians are going to be up in heaven. They're not going to have to deal with it. Um, and they believe this, uh, and I believed it too, because I grew up believing in a pre-tribulation rapture. My family did all the churches I ever went to. I went to the conferences, got the DVDs, read all the books, uh, you know, followed all the experts, watched their television shows. So I believed it for most of my life this doctrine, even though there's not a single verse, not a single passage in the entire Bible that says it's going to happen. Even Tim LaHaye in one of his books, you know, he wrote the left, he was co-author of the Left Behind series, even admitted in one uh, one of his books that there's nowhere in the Bible that talks about a seven-year gap between Jesus coming to kind of gather the Christians and then come back at the end. And so he even admits that. Um, in fact, you know, as I show in my book, thirty-seven chapters breaking this down like no one ever has before, I show that, um, you know, and I prove that whenever the Bible talks about the timing, it always says it's going to happen at the very, very end. But unfortunately, this doctrine is taught in most of the seminaries, you know, and you know, in, in those who are training up pastors and teachers, and most denominations have adopted this, and so. Why this is so, one of the reasons why this is so important is because whether it's you guys on your radio show or me on my website, we tell, we tell people, and, and most of my readers or most of your listeners are going to be Christians of one sort or another. And so they they, they they know about these things. And so we try to tell them about the economy is going to collapse, and they'll agree with us. And we tell them, oh, civil unrest is coming, and FEMA camps, and martial law, and the New World Order, and uh, all these things that are coming and that we're so concerned about, and they'll even agree with us about all of it. But there's so many Christians out there today that that believe, oh, but we don't have to stand up against this, we don't have to worry about it, because we're not going to face any of it. We're not going to be here for any of it. So it's not a big concern for us, because, yeah, those things are coming, Those yeah, the New World Order, the Antichrist, the Mark of the Beast, like we were talking about earlier in the program. All of these things they don't think they're going to ever have to face it or deal with it, you know, there's this overwhelmingly pervasive attitude out there that creates a tremendous amount of apathy that, oh, uh, you know, uh, before anything really, really bad happens we're going to be taken out of here. So we don't have to store up food. We don't have to store up supplies. We don't have to be ready to face persecution and put our lives on the line. We're not going to have to face what they're facing in the Middle East. We're not going to ever have to face potentially being martyred for our faith. We're not going to have to do deal with any of this because we're going to be pulled out of here. And so, uh, you know, uh, this kind of frustrated me because you know, the, I see this attitude everywhere, everywhere these days. But I was always frustrated because I was like, well where's the you know I wanted to you know if, if people came to me and said, "Well you know Michael, we, okay, you say there's not going to be a pre-tribulation rapture, but where's the book or the DVD or the resource that really just knocks this out of the park that really explains to people and breaks it down exactly what's going to happen, what the Bible really has to say because you've got this whole end times industry, you, you know where the, whether it's the left behind books, you've got the conferences, you've got the DVDs you 've got all these big names, and they're making, they've made hundreds of ends. Of dollars telling this story that Jesus is coming back for his people before the tribulation and and, and so they, they, they kind of dominate the marketplace, and so it's frustrating frustrated that there wasn't something. So I've created this resource, the book, The Rapture Verdict, to kind of break down, and I've done it like a lawyer, where I've set forth the case, 37 chapters, basically kind of completely dismantling this idea of a pre-tribulation rapture, completely destroying it, and showing what the Bible really has to say, that, yes, we're going through the tribulation, we're going through all the things that the book of Revelation that describes, we're going to face the Antichrist, we're going to face the Mark of the Beast, and that's a real, that's kind of a, a tough message, and people need to be prepared for that. But also, it's a tremendous message of hope in the book, too, because we can't do it through our own power, but with God's help, we can be the generation that stands up to the new world order. We can be the generation that, that that stands boldly against the Antichrist. And I believe that the greatest move of God the world has ever seen is coming, even in the midst of all the chaos and darkness. We're going to see the gospel preached of the whole world, the greatest harvest of souls in the history of the Church, and it's going to be the basically the greatest time for the people of God. But uh, if people think they're... About to be pulled out of here the whole time, then they, then they could completely miss what God is doing in the midst of all this. So, you know, I think this is really so foundational to everything that we're doing because we're trying to warn the people. We're watchmen on the wall, and yet such a vast majority of our audience of the Christians out there, patriotic, good, conservative, patriotic people out there, they're they're not they they they're not really concerned about the things we're telling them because of this belief, because of this foundational belief that, they're going to be pulled out of here before anything really bad happens, even though the Bible very, very clearly says that's not going to happen.
3: You know, um, that was just very well said, what what you just explained and I, uh, in reading on your website about your book The Rapture Verdict, um, one of the things that caught my attention uh, is that you stated that you uh, grew up believing in a pre-tribulation rapture, that your parents uh, did to and that they still do and that every church you attended that this was uh, uh what they taught in this in the churches and you know and another thing that really caught my attention is uh, and I like how you wrote this you said as a boy i devoured uh, the Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey, and you read all 12 books of the Left Behind series, and, and books from J.R. Church, who is a great uh, writer, and Chuck Misler, uh, and all these people who write about it. I mean, you're not coming at, at this from a place of um, ignorance at all or just using the Word of God. You've been on the other side of this and have seen the other side of this, and I am specifically uh, really like the fact that you you take the same approach as I do with this, that your goal is not to create any um, discord among the brethren. You say, you know, you want to con- conduct this uh, debate peacefully, and if people don't agree, you know, let's agree to disagree and walk away. Uh, and that's something that so many people today are not willing to do. We see the strife that uh, it it creates, the discord it creates. I mean, we've seen people inside uh, the Christian body uh, break friendships over yeah, this topic. If
2: I can interject one thing here, this is not real... Okay, this is... What we're talking about is not an issue of salvation, All right, technically, okay. Well, it's not an issue of salvation, period, but it's an issue of divisiveness that, in my estimation, in my view, the only reason it matters to me, because I... Well, the only reason it matters to me is because I see a lot of people potentially being deceived and I remember this and I'm going to share this and then I'm going to be quiet. Uh, I remember being at a hotel in Ohio and a gentleman coming out and we were talking. I didn't even know this man and we were talking and I'm not even sure how the the discussion progressed to the rapture And, and he didn't know who I was at all and I'm just listening to what he's got to say and And, um, he said something to the effect of, if, uh, if I'm not raptured out of here, then, then me and God, we're going to have a problem. And I thought, man, first of all, the hubris behind that statement, and I don't believe he was being mean spirited. I just, just the unintentional hubris, but to think that way. And if he, if he's thinking that way, and he was a very intelligent gentleman, I believe, um, Uh, You know, I just, I just thought the the people expecting the rapture and not being raptured from the tribulation, small t, not God's wrath, but man, I don't know. This is why it's important to me, I guess. Now I'll shut up.
3: Yeah, if you can comment on that if you want to. And I wanted to ask you, too, do do you believe that we are in the last days, like in the birth pains right up against the tribulation period? Do you believe we could have a few more years? And I'm not asking you to set any dates or anything, but what is your feeling on the time period we live in?
4: Yeah, well, I do believe we're in the, the period of time the Bible refers to as the last days. Now, in terms of the start of the Tribulation, there's a lot of people running around saying, oh, it's about to start, or there's some people actually saying it's already started, and, and I don't believe that. I believe we have more time to come before the Tribulation actually starts, and I believe that we're actually going to see the judgment of God on America and the fall of America before we even get to the Tribulation and explain this in the book. And so for people, no matter what you believe about the timing, actually, you know, what we're about to go through in America is going to be an absolute nightmare, whether Jesus comes pre-mid or post or whatever. You know, I believe America is going to fall before we even get to that point, So, uh, which is maybe a little different from what most people are are used to hearing, but I I talk about this in my book uh, about why I believe this. But, you know, in terms, I was immersed in this world, and and I don't like strife or discord. You know, people debate this endlessly on Facebook, and I totally avoid those debates. And I've kind of avoided this whole subject for a long, long time because, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a low drama person and I, I, I want to be friends with everyone and I, I still want, I love my pre-trib and mid-trib brethren and I want to have fellowship with them, but I know how nasty people can get about this. I knew when God was leading me to write this book that there was going to be a lot of blowback and, and there was going to be persecution. In fact... I had been invited to a major Christian Bible prophecy conference. They were going to have me speak three times. They were all excited in June. But when they got my hold of my book, they read my book, they disinvited me from the conference. They didn't want anything to do with me because of what I set forth in this book. So that's how strongly people feel about this, which is very sad because we should, no matter what we believe, we should still all learn to love one another. That's far more important than who's right or who's wrong. But like I said, I was immersed in this whole environment. I grew up in this um, in, in this world. I've been studying Bible prophecy since I was a little child, far longer than I've been studying economics. And so I come from a background that was just hardcore pre-trib. My parents still are to this day. And in the past, you could say, well, I believe what I believe, you believe what I believe, it's all going to work out in the end, but I believe we're getting to the point where what we really believe about these things is really, really going to matter. And let me just address three real quick points. One of them is the majority of Christians in America today are not getting prepared at all for for what's coming because they believe that they're, they're going to get pulled out of here before they need their emergency food, before their supplies, any of that. So physical preparations are not being made. So in the end, we could see families going hungry, children going hungry because of what people believe about these things, potentially even people starving to death, uh, because of, because of this. But even more importantly, churches in America are not preparing people to face persecution, which uh, Christians are already being persecuted all over the world. But we're not being prepared to face the Antichrist. We're not being prepared to face the Mark of the Beast. In fact, a lot of people might come, and the Mark of the Beast might come. There might be Christians who take it because they say, well, this can't be the Mark of the Beast, because when the Mark of the Beast comes, all already have been raptured out of here. So there'll be confusion. People could take the Mark of the Beast. People won't know how to respond. So we're not being prepared for the persecution that's coming, which I think is very, very important. But thirdly, even more importantly... In Second Peter chapter three, it tells us that in the last days that non-believers are going to come and they're going to mock Christians because they're going to say, "Where is this coming that we were promised?" And uh, now, if we had told them all this time what the Bible really has to say that Jesus doesn't come back till the very end, there'd be no reason to mock, because the non-believers would say, yeah, well, things have gone crazy in the world, but the Christians told us Jesus doesn't come back till everything's completely over, and so there's no reason to mock them. But because we keep telling them that, hey, Jesus is coming back any minute, he's coming back any minute, and when things get crazy in this world, it's going to be an absolute chorus where the preachers all across the land are going to be screaming that Jesus is coming back any moment, but then he's not going to come back, and it's going to become apparent that we has gone absolutely nuts, and all the Christians are still here. So the non-believers are going to come, and they're going to say, Hey, you told us that Jesus was going to come back and get you guys before anything really bad happened. You told us that the rest of us were going to be left behind. But Jesus didn't come back to get you guys, and they're going to mock us. They're going to turn away from the faith and by the millions. They're going to say, Well, we don't understand what's happening to our world. We don't understand what's happening but we know you Christians sure don't have any answers cuz you told us you were going to be gone. You told us you were going to be raptured and it didn't happen. So we're going to see non-believers turn away by the millions and then millions of Christians when they realize that there's not going to be a rapture, well for so many believers out there it's it's like right next to salvation for them in terms of their belief and they're they're going to question, they're going to say, "Well, if the rapture was a lie, maybe everything else I was ever taught was a lie too." We're going to see Christians get depressed, get discouraged, turn away from the faith, and potentially even many Christians may decide to take their lives because they don't want to face what they were told was coming with the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast and all that. And there's no need for that, because, and you know, it's going to be, like I said earlier, it's going to be the greatest hour for the Church of God, and God's going to be doing incredible things, but they're not getting this message because they're just being promised that this rapture is coming, and when it doesn't happen, it's going to just shred the faith of millions.
3: And, you know, that's, uh, right on the money. I can, uh, just envision that happening. And, and, um, I was raised, uh, as a Christian, but never really got into it. Was never, um, something that was promoted or pushed or I didn't pay attention. It, it was not either way. I did not know of, a, you know, pre-tribulation rapture, um, until we really started getting in, getting into this. Without giving away too much of what's inside your book, um, if we could, chapter 23 uh, caught my attention, and I have not read the book yet, but the, the title of it is The Very Best Evidence for a Pre-Tribulation Rapture. Could you touch on that for a minute?
4: Yeah, yeah, and and basically, you know, I was raised in this type of environment, so I know all the arguments and uh and so uh you know, I was uh, in the book I was trying to set forth what the arguments that those who believe in these different theories would use and then addressing them and and in that chapter I go to Revelation chapter seven, which I don't know why more pre-trib advocates don't go there immediately, and it talks about this multitude that we see in heaven around the throne of God, and uh, and in in that chapter I describe how you know the the, the different thoughts on this, this multitude that we see in heaven, and it's my contention that they're the ones that just died in all the sealed judgments that we just saw and and uh, and i explained that you know some people believe that it's a picture of uh, raptured saints there but I point out that no, because the book of Revelation very clearly announces the rapture in Revelation chapter 11, long after that, and then it's actually described in Revelation chapter 14, and, and I go through the whole timeline and, and whatever. But, you know, a lot of people out there might say, well, you know, I've never heard any of this before, you know, uh, you know, and, and and Michael, you seem so uh, confident that the scriptures really say that things are a certain way, and I named the book The Rapture Verdict because, it's my contention that, the you know, I was originally going to name it the rapture debate, but it was my contention that the evidence is all in, it's clear, and that we have a very, very clear verdict. And, uh, you know, if I could just share, you know, a couple things really, really quickly sure. about this. You know, I... uh I thought I had a a a a quite a good book. I was getting like ripped. I thought I was done with research for the book and and I thought I wow I would really put something valuable together for people but then I I really felt that God put very very strongly on my heart that I needed to go back and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I thought, well why do I need to look at 1st Corinthians chapter 15 again? I looked at it a, a million times already. And, and so I went and I looked and of course that's, you know, the, 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 the part in there near the end of the chapter, it you know, talks about the last trumpet and, and we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And I already talked about the last trumpet and the seven trumpets and all of that and how it all ties together. And, and I looked at that again and no, that wasn't what I was supposed to see. And so I started looking through the rest of the chapter because the whole chapter is about the resurrection, which is the rapture, The, the, you know, at the rapture, those that are dead and belong to Christ are, are resurrected and given glorified bodies, and those who are still alive are, are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so um, I started reading, because the whole chapter is about it, and so I started reading through, and I got to uh, verse 20, and it says this, but now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came by man, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Now that word coming there is the Greek word parousia. And it can be translated coming as it is there or arrival or presence or sometimes in the ancient Greek world as official visit. For example, when the Pope came to the United States last year, that would have been considered an official visit. Somebody very, very important was coming. He was doing so in an official capacity. That's kind of the flavor of the word. So that verse there in 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that believers will be resurrected at the parousia, at his coming, at the parousia of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so I thought, well, that's very interesting, because that just told us exactly when the rapture is going to happen, at his parousia. And so I thought, hmm, well, let me look up that word and see where else it is uh, used throughout the Bible. And so then I saw. oh, it's also used in First Thessalonians chapter 4, which is probably the most, uh, you know, famous of all the rapture passages in the Bible, where it says, you know, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming, there's that Greek word parousia again, of the Lord, will not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall be forever with the Lord. So once again, we've got that Greek word parousia there, and we're told again in in this key rapture passage that the rapture comes at the parousia, the official visit of, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so I thought,, no, well you know that's very interesting. That says the exact same thing that First Corinthians just did. And so I thought, hmm, we've got a real pattern going here, and that the Bible is being very consistent in what it's telling us. And so then I saw that it's also mentioned in Second Thessalonians chapter two, which off the air, you had mentioned that someone had written in actually with a question about this chapter, and yeah. it ties right in with this.
3: Yeah, and I'll just read the question for those on uh, listening. It says, uh, could you please have Michael explain Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8? Yeah. If there is no pre-tribulation rapture.
4: Yeah, and so I want to address those exact verses, because those were the exact verses I was led to next. And well, let me start at the beginning of the chapter. In, in the beginning of Second the Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, now, brothers... Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, now that word coming there was once again the Greek word parousia, concerning the parousia of our Lord Jesus Christ and concerning our gathering together unto Him at the rapture, we ask you not to let your mind be quickly shaken or be troubled, neither in spirit nor by word nor by letter, coming as though from us as if the day of Christ is already here. Now this next verse is key. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come... Unless a falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself as God. So this passage here, once again, links the rapture with the parousia, and it says that certain things have to happen first, before we get to the parousia, before we get to the rapture, namely, there's got to be a falling away, an apostasy, the Antichrist must be revealed, and he's got to sit in the temple showing himself as God. So, all of those things have to happen first, and so that completely eliminates a pre-tribulation rapture right there. But let me get to verses 7 and 8, which uh, your uh, listener had brought up. For the mystery of lawlessness is already working, only he who is now restraining him will do so until he is taken out of the way, talking about the restrainer. I've got a whole chapter about that in my book, but then let's read verse 8. Then the lawless one will be revealed, the Antichrist, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his presence. Now, that word presence there is also the Greek word parousia. So what verse 8 is telling us is that the final confrontation between the Lord Jesus Christ and the Antichrist happens at the parousia, and we just learned early in the chapter that the rapture is, is at the same time as the parousia. So, you know, and we all know, and those that have read the Bible know that the final confrontation between Jesus and the Antichrist is not before the tribulation, not in the middle of the tribulation, but it comes at the very end. And so the Apostle Paul here very clearly tells us that this final confrontation is at the end of the tribulation at the parousia, and the rapture is at the parousia. Um, and, and actually goes through a laundry list of things that must happen first and then just to wrap this up uh, really quickly because I know we're starting to get short on time but let me turn to Matthew chapter 24 where the Lord Jesus Christ himself tells us that the rapture is at the parousia, at the end of the tribulation. You know, so in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 3, the disciples come to Jesus uh, privately, and they ask him, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, the Greek word parousia, and of the end of the age? So the disciples wanted to know when the parousia is going to be. The exact same Greek word is used there. And then the rest of the chapter goes through the wars and rumors of wars, the earthquakes, and then the abomination of desolation, all the events of the tribulation. Then it gets down to verse 27, and the Lord Jesus Christ uses this this same word, where it says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming parousia of the Son of Man. And then verse 29, we're told exactly when that's going to be. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation, I don't know why there's so much confusion, it's plain as a day, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. So there Jesus is describing the uh, the rapture. He says that it happens at the Parousia, and he says it's, quote, immediately after the tribulation. And, of course, these are just a few nuggets from one of the chapters in the book. I've got 37 chapters completely proving my case, unlike anything people have ever seen before. So I, I, ho- I hope people check it out, and if, if my message resonates with you, I hope you help me get this message, this book, the the, the, the videos, everything out to as many people as possible. Why? Because we gotta wake people up. Because number one, it's gonna save people's lives. Number two, it's gonna save people's souls. But today, you know, we've got Christians. It's, it's, you know, if I could, there's. There's this real old episode of Seinfeld, where I don't know if you ever watched Seinfeld, but George Costanza went to a birthday party for children, and he's there, he's wandering around, and he smells smoke in the back room, in in, the kitchen, so he goes back there and he sees fire, and 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 he yells out, fire, fire, and he comes running out, he's pushing children over, he's pushing a grandmother over, and he's the first one out of the house, and he gets in all kinds of trouble. Well, this is how we're like as Christians today, where we're so obsessed with getting out of here before anything happens to us that we don't care about the billions of lost souls that are lost and headed toward hell. We're just concerned about our own safety, about getting out of here as fast as possible, not even thinking of the work that still needs to be done.
2: I, I hope you, you won't uh, think I'm some sort of weirdo when I say, Seinfeld, that was episode f- or uh, season 5, episode 19, the title of that was "The Clown," but you, <laughs> why would or, or "The Fire"? I'm sorry. This title of the fire is you know why would I even know that? Um, but yes, that depicts exactly, uh, in my view, that rather toxic environment um, that were that that has been created by this subject um, and by well. It, it even has, it's more reflective too, in my estimation, on the I've got mine too bad for you mentality that we're seeing a lot of people in the West, Christians, even Christians adhering to. And it's really sad to see that happen. And, and, um, well, wow, well
3: said. Yeah, that's just a fantastic, uh, very brief summary on, on your book and reading through the chapters here. The restrainer is chapter 20, uh, and it looks like there is, um, uh, just so much in this book I cannot wait to get my hands on it Uh, Mr. Snyder we have about five minutes left is there anything that we left out anything you want to talk about um, promote or uh, any upcoming appearances too Um, in, in in your future
2: Anyone?
4: Yeah, I've, I've been traveling a lot lately, uh, but I don't have anything lined up immediately. I'm trying to get a little bit of rest. I'm sure I'm gonna, you know, hear from some more people soon, but I've been, I've been trying to get some rest and relaxation, but, you know, but there's so much work to be done. And, you know, basically, you know, we've shared a lot of hard things on this program, but I want to give people hope and because my wife and I we we're you know we're not trying to dig a hole somewhere and hide and say you know try to hide from the world with all the bad things that are happening in fact my wife and I we're not depressed we don't take any pills we believe the greatest chapters of our lives are still ahead of us and we're like you know we know things are going to be real challenging really hard but we're looking forward to what's ahead because we 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 think that God has big things ahead for us and for and He's raising up ordinary people like you and me all over this country to do great things to stand up. And so, you know, when the world starts going crazy, a lot of people they're going to try to dig a hole and hide from the world. And, and Christians are going to so many Christians are going to be saying, "Oh, send the rapture, send the rapture, pull us out of here." Well, you know where they're going to find me. The people are going to find me at the gates of hell, trying to fight for every single lost soul that I can, and you know, and 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 uh, you know, someday, you know, people are going to look back, and they're going to look back on 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 the people that stood boldly in this generation, and with our with our our swords in our hands, and and we faced down the new world order. We faced down all the things that are coming, and we did not bend, we did not bow, but we kept fighting to the very end. We kept standing tall for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and they're going to say, hey, these people stood up for what was right, these people stood up for the gospel and uh, that's how I want to be remembered
2: Michael Snyder, well said thank you, and you know, we will stand right shoulder to shoulder with you at the gates of hell, sword in hand, uh, fighting for the lost souls as well because that's that's what this is all about isn't it, at the end of the day that's what we are led to do. That's what we are assigned to do. And doing anything less would be, well, we wouldn't be doing our jobs. We need to saddle for battle, people. We really do. Th- thanks for your gift of time tonight. And, and certainly extend our thanks to your, to your lovely wife as well for uh, for sharing you with us.
3: And I hope we get a chance to do this again soon.
4: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. You know, I've heard so many good things about your program for so long and you guys have been doing such great work and so I was excited to come on tonight even though I know uh, I actually haven't had any dinner yet we're going to have some dinner after this so dinner gets delayed a bit but you know the chance to come on Hagman and Hagman and share from my heart thank you guys for letting me ramble tonight I know I kind of rambled especially during the second hour but to be able to come Uh on and share with your with your incredible audience because I know you guys have an incredibly high quality audience so many wonderful people listen to your program to be able to share tonight is a real privilege, and I thank you for that.
2: God bless
3: you, my friend. Thank you so very much, uh, Michael Snyder. Yes. Yeah, well, again, his website yep. is uh, theeconomiccollapseblog.com. dot com. And end of the Dream dot com. Check, check out, out his work; yes. it's all over the internet. And check out his books. Check out his website. Make, make sure and, you tell him
2: uh, thank you. Yeah. Send him an email of thanks, and, and let him know you, that you heard him on the Hagman Hagman Report. And uh, of course, the archive for the program will be up on YouTube, available on Global Star, BTR, all venues. Just go to Hagman and Hagman dot com, and you can pick it up right from there. Uh, again, Michael Snyder was our guest. Thank you so much, sir. God bless you. Have dinner on us well, <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah, thank you, you guys me. so much All right, brother. thank you, all right. Folks, that'll do it for us tonight. Tomorrow, Paul McGuire, oh, he's got some, uh, such uh, you l- talked to
3: him this week. I didn't,
2: yes, I you were, you were otherwise, uh, engaged, but we've got, uh, we got a lot to talk about with Paul McGuire tomorrow. Uh, folks, don't forget our, our the, the inaugural opening or the grand opening of our store, hagmanreportstore.com. Uh, pay, pay a visit there. Check some things out. Pay attention to the product descriptions. That, of course, the product descriptions really are important. It 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 here. I mean, it provides the theme. Well, you'll get the idea. Read the product descriptions, and uh, saddle for battle. You heard Michael Snyder. I want to thank Global Star Radio Network. Thank BTR. Thank you so much, JD, Eric, the tech, Rhonda. God bless each and every one of you, and, and uh, all of our listeners, and of course Michael Snyder and Chancellor American's Rob also.
3: Until tomorrow, stay safe, God bless, have a great night.
1: This is the Global Star Radio Network. The Genesis Communications Network.